Ladies and gentlemen, may I present for your intellectual and philosophical pleasure Run Fest on Raw Dog Product Comedy Hits Channel 99. It's the Ron and Fez Show, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Ron Bennington, Fez Watley. Today is March 19th. It's our first day back from Christmas break. Happy New Year, everybody. Um, no Shelby today, Fez. Eight bad Chinese, and he's near death. Was it the delivery boy? I know that gay jokes were funny back when you were a kid, but it's the 90s now, my friend, all right? Gays are exactly the same as uh, humans at this point. I know. I'm gay. I can make gay jokes. I meant, oh, you can. You can get away with it. This yes. is the special privilege that we can laugh at someone for going down on a Chinese boy. Oh, you're living the life, my friend. You're living the life. I saw uh, Chris Stanley today. Uh, I guess he thought that he was business casual. He was wearing a white shirt and a tie, but then jeans and no jacket. So I think unless you're seventh grade in Catholic school, that does not look right. I'm going to just put it out there. Sell out. And you feel the same way, wingman. Yes, I do. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. I see you're inching your way back into things. Uh, Fez Watley feeling stronger every day, ready to get rocking. couple of moments here and there, but you get by them, right? Yeah. That just something just happened? You just lost it for a second? Yeah, just... You're back now. I'm Completely gonna, went blank. I'm going to give you a topic that I that I know that you will love, and that is Aquaman, which I believe is Spanish for Waterman. Uh, the new Aquaman, Aki, uh, is throwing down against Marvel Comics, and I guess a fanboy said, please sign this poster. And what did he write on it? He wrote, fuck Marvel. Yeah. That's classy. That's classy, Aki. A couple of weeks ago, when it was unveiled what the new Aquaman would look like in the upcoming Justice League movie. Before that, it was veiled? Yeah, it was completely veiled. Yeah, you couldn't see it. You had no idea what the new Aquaman was going to look like. When this came out, 
I'll admit, I was against this Aquaman. No. I didn't think he looked like Aquaman. I didn't like the tattoos. To me, Aquaman looks like Boomer Esiason. I would have been all for that. And I know he's never turned down a gig, so you won't have any problem. But now that this Aquaman has said fuck Marvel, not only said it, wrote it across the fanboy's poster, now I am all on board with Jason Momoa as Aquaman. Bring it on. Give him his own trilogy. Because he's... They give everyone their own trilogy. There's no such thing as just doing a movie. You're signed to do a trilogy right off the bat. Then they're hearing me. What's his last name? Momoa. I think he's going to get drafted very high. Uh, I see him going to the Jets. But not uh, first pick overall. So I, I'm going to go... I'm going to go in the other direction on this, Fez. You've you've done nothing yet, right? He hasn't put out a big comic book movie. Why is he attacking the other studio? Because he is going... This is a push towards DC domination in superhero movies. And he's... I would, the so only, this has nothing to do with art anymore. This is some kind of just like corporate game... On who dominates the marketplace. I, I think you don't go out and say, oh, we're going to make a really good movie. You're like, we are going to own a piece of the demographic that's going to shock people. I think it is still about art. It's we're going to do a good film where Marvel puts out stink pieces. Did you just get lost for a second and use the term stink piece? Yes. Um, I don't think an artist thinks that way. I don't think if you really care about film that you are sitting around even hoping that bad films get made. Let alone saying, fuck the other side, when you're all comic book characters. Yeah, well, he's not going to go end up playing, uh, you know, Submariner for uh, Marvel. Yeah, so that's the only thing that you should worry about is how it affects you personally. That's... Uh, that's real top-of-the-line stuff. Um, hey, uh, Tony, what do you got, buddy? Could there be a better Aquaman, though, than Vinny Chase? I mean, he should have been Aquaman. You know, the guy who replaced Vinny Chase I thought was even better. I don't know who that was. I don't know, somewhere in there. Remember he didn't do the movie? Did you watch that show at all? I quit watching it. I don't, you're the only human, I know people who won't watch it, but I don't know anybody who started and didn't take the entire ride. And now that's going to be a uh, movie this summer. Yeah, the Entourage movie. Yeah. So, uh, you hate Marvel yourself. Yeah, I, I think they put out crappy movies. Maybe he should have just signed that on the poster. I've even, I don't watch, Mar I don't even bother watching Marvel movies anymore. Tried watching that first Iron Man, never made it through it. And you know me, I like superhero movies. I don't know if you do or not. I remember you saying you'd never see another one because the Joker wasn't in a movie. Oh, that was the Riddler. Oh, wait, I thought you liked the Joker. You like the Riddler? Yeah. Okay. My bad. I guess I'm turning into a stink piece myself. And that was all I had about that. Oh, that's plenty. You had plenty on it. 
866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. It is the Ron and Fez show. Uh, we got guests stopping in uh, later on today. And, uh, well, here's a uh, big, big story. The guy who started the Hard Rock uh, Cafe chain, um, his big mansion burned down out in the Hamptons. And it had something to do with a vibe manager. There was a young vibe manager who I believe left uh, um, left themselves. We just had a cancellation. This is why I never give away uh, who guests are. Because there's always those type of things. But that don't matter because you're on top of it, right, today, Fez? Yeah. <laughs> the guest made you cry? Yeah. How come? Because I was hoping I could get to the next... I was just... I saw the same thing happen on Letterman when a guest canceled. He just started crying. Um, so you were hoping you could what? Just maintain and get to the next thing. Yeah. Oh, look, some people are going to ask you about Marvel. Here's Murray in Delaware. Murray, we got you, buddy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm here. I, uh, first time caller. I love the show. Um, Fezzy, love you, man. You're a great guy. Um, but now why is it, in your opinion, that you think DC is much better than Marvel? I think it's better heroes. I think it's better villains. Uh, a lot of Marvel villains. When I tried to re read those comic books as a kid, I found them just completely boring. And their villains were always just so over the top. There was nobody who just... Do you like an under-the-top villain? I like a villain that's based a little bit more in reality. I understand none of this is reality. Are you sure? But like something like Galactus, where, all right, I'm just going to come eat a planet. Okay. I just, I, I just I, find I, that too, you don't like what, you don't like when planets get eaten. No, hate that. I, I, I like a more point. traditional villain. All right, thank you. So, now, what you I like is a gangster. Name? You would like to see like. Uh, Superman versus, like, a crack dealer. That would be the perfect one for you. Yeah. Because it's not even close. You don't want you don't want there to be an opportunity that the villain could win. I like a squash match. Yeah. Um, here's Justin. Hey, Justin. Hey, man, what's going on? Uh, I want to thank you, Ron, for uh, talking about the jinx. I had never heard anything about it. Uh, I actually didn't have HBO, ordered it, uh, and watched it with my fiance, who knew nothing about it. And we finished it last night, and she literally screamed out loud uh, when that guy's standing in the bathroom and says, to Yeah, don't give it away, though, for the other people who haven't seen it. Now, I, have you noticed how many news stories? It's like one out of every three news stories has to do with the jinx. I just can't wait for the trial, man. I am going to be hooked on that shit. See, I think that's the amazing thing, is HBO has built this up, 
and now the other networks can just have like season two. It's like once you found out American Idol was a hit, you could just have it on your network and for free. And you know, some people are like, were saying to me, I'm disgusted how a lot of people are treating this like a TV show. I go, we're 15 years into reality TV. You know what I mean? A trial is a fucking TV show these days. I remember being in fucking jury duty and grand jury and the first guy that came in and he's talking about being attacked and shit. I swear to God, I'm not even making this up. I'm thinking, oh, this dude's really good. He's really locked into this story. I'm fucking treating it like a law and order because your mind goes back and forth between reality and TV now. It's on so much. Um, the OJ trial was daytime watching. Every day, like a soap opera. Some episodes were a little bit more boring with Dennis Fung doing very technical forensic talk. And then you get a Faye Resnick up there or a Kato Kalin. But I'm saying that was before we had reality TV. That was just a trial. Now everything is seen as reality TV. And everything goes on YouTube. You can see a murder, uh, a horrible accident. A plane crash, and people are like, oh, this is good. i got to send it to my cousin. We're fucking crazy from this shit. Um, but it really... Now, you said you binge-watched the Jinx, huh? Yeah. I watched I watched uh, all of it on Sunday. You're all caught up now. Yeah. And you were saying to me that you had trouble binge-watching. Yeah, and that and that had locked me in. It, it um, But it... It was... Sorry, I can't think of what I wanted to say. You said to me earlier that you had never binge-watched before and you really struggled with the whole point of binge-watching. Yeah, I, could, I don't think I could ever do it again. I wanted to see that episode Sunday night where it all wrapped up, and it just, it's too, it just sticks in my mind too much. All right, uh, Justin, so you're excited about the trial as if it's a big show coming up. It's been a while since we had a, a, a decent, you know, trial to watch. But, uh, oh, and one other thing, DC sucks. DC has the greatest heroes in comic oh, book history. Fez, man, I love you, but, man, they are, they, you look back at some of those aliens, they have diamond creatures running around, and you're talking about Galactus. It's, See, here's the thing. I think it's a generational thing, you know? If you grew up with Batman and Superman in the 30s the way that Fez did, by the time the 1960s came along and Spider-Man, Silver Surfer were smoking pot, it's a turn-off. Golden Age, over, you know, Silver Age. Fez is from the greatest generation, okay? <laughs> they weren't like you kids with your Atari games. And your Walkmans. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Um, here's Sean. Sean in North Carolina. Uh, yes. This is uh, Stephen, Sean's agent. We're going to reschedule. Uh, I hope that's not inconvenience. Okay, bye-bye now. Oh, God. We just lost a caller. We were supposed. I was just trying to make it to that caller, and now he's gone. You know, I will tell you this about Marvel and DC, Fez. When I was a kid, I read comic books, and I don't think I paid attention whether it was Marvel or DC. I, I like I read um, some Silver Surfer, and I read uh, Daredevil. And is that his name, Daredevil? Mm -hmm. 
And I don't, I, I, I didn't realize that like one lived in one universe and one in the other. Flash seemed like a Marvel thing to me, but it was a DC guy. They just seem like comics. But I feel the same thing like, um, when I watch TV shows. Like it doesn't occur to me. I like, I'll watch a show. I don't watch a network. Like I'm not like on NBC's side over, you know, CBS. Um, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. It is the Ron and Fez Show. Here's Dan in Pennsylvania. Yeah, checking in from Upper Chai. I need a stink piece, about 24, 25 years old, brunette. You guys got anything like that? Are you really in Upper Chai? Yeah, Upper Chai. Where you at, Boothwin? Boothwin, yep. Boothwin, we used to call it. Uh, yeah, you'll find yourself a stink piece. And then... <laughs> Hey, I think we got our new cake on. <laughs> yeah, that's the whole thing. I got to go out and find myself a steak piece. Eight six six Ron Zero Fez. This phone is screwing up on me, Fezzy. Eight six six. There it goes. Eight six six Ron Zero Fez. It is the Ron and Fez show. Big Cat Fez Watley walking on deck today. No Shelby, um, because he ate some bad Chinese. He said. Probably a guy, right? Some young guy, is that it, Fez? Um, but, you know, I told you I ran into Hicks today, or as he's trying to be called, Vice President Hicks. And he was telling me, when I told him that Shelby was sick, that Shelby doesn't drink water during the show, and he feels like there's something wrong with him. And I said, well, like he's a lizard. He gets his water through his gills. That is bizarre. I don't know how you go through an entire show not drinking water. You like to drink a you like to stay hydrated. Yeah, I drink a lot of water. Sometimes you even pour it down your neck. Uh Howard in Alabama, you're on the run of Fez show. Yeah, man. Uh I I really I like both Marvel and D C but to me DC's a lot better. It's got a lot of better storylines, a lot better drawing, a lot better uh Characters, heroes, and villains. All right, wait. Somebody tell me, explain to me, because I'm completely lost on this. What is a bad drawing? What is a comic well, that's drawn so well, bad? To me, to me, DC's got more of like a real style, like it's more edgier, more like drawn in and detailed. Whereas Marvel, it's just more cartoon. All right, so you like a comic to be realistic? Yeah, I'm um, like the Batman the billionaire who rides around in a bat car with a bat boomerang and a bat mask um, instead of just staying at his house doing coke next to a, a pool while a fucking hooker is eating his ass. See, that would be realistic. If there was a realistic comic book, you would just see a billionaire acting like a creep screaming at waiters while he's being blown. That would be that would be a comic that I think people could get behind. Um Fez, here's the person who cancelled who by the way is borderline a no name. But they're from the com comedy world. That's all you had to make it to. Mm -hmm. And now you've got to make it further. So you look in terms of making it to a certain time in the show? I, I, yeah, because one problem that I have is just looking, uh, well, you brought up the thing from Kimmy Schmidt the other day of just the next 10 seconds. 
Yeah. And um, so I was trying to make my panic shorter. Well, I'm not explaining it very good. I just got a thing from Gil. He wants us to stay on till midnight now. Oh, good. And he goes, and he wants every second of the day to be perfect. So you try to make it 10 seconds? Yeah, I'm not making that. You're not going to make 10 seconds? Not without freaking out. How many seconds can you make it without a freak out? I'm freaking out every second, so none. How about we shoot for three seconds? All right, I think that's three. Did you make it? No. You didn't? How about one second? Uh, Scott. Scott. Yeah, um, just a couple things real quick. I, I guess... Maybe I'm just out of it. I don't understand the infatuation of grown men caring about comics and, and cartoons. Uh, I don't know. So I'm like you. It didn't matter to me when I was a kid. Um, they were but you know what? You can say the same thing about baseball or football or rock and roll or fucking movies. I mean, when you really come down to it, how many things are important? You know what I mean? You've got food, shelter, family. You know, and really, does everyone like to sit around and think about that too much? But, but I mean, to, to the point of, of, you know, people getting pissed off and wanting to fight over Marvel or DC, I just, that, that part I don't get. I get entertainment, I get a pastime, you know, but uh, to sit there and, and get angry with another person over... Well, I, I will tell you how, you know, I mean, I don't do this with comic books, but I saw a thing today... Uh, Tribeca Film Fe Festival is doing 25 years uh, since Goodfellas. And they're going to have a Q&A with Jon Stewart. And I immediately thought to myself, this is going to be the greatest night of all time. Everybody just sitting around and talking. That's as unimportant as any of this other stupid who draws what. But I don't find myself screaming out, Godfather sucks. Because I like Goodfellas. Um, that's what started this. I think this guy, uh, this Aquaman guy, is kind of a fucking dick now. Because this had nothing to do with him. I wouldn't do that any more than I would sit around wondering what other radio shows are doing. You know? I'm sure there's yeah. radio shows all over the country today where one of the, you know, co-hosts is having a meltdown and trying to hold on. But I just like, let them do their thing. Let them panic the way they panic, and then we'll panic the way we panic, you know? We go old school, 1930s. We panic because of the Great Depression. That's this Great Depression, and yet it still is a Great Depression. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Uh, Rick. Rick in Indiana. Hey, Ronnie B. Million bucks, man. Million. Hey, uh, I was just thinking that an addition, a good addition to the Ron and Fest Studios would be, you know how they have uh, the cardboard cutouts of superheroes, Spider-Man, Batman, whatever. Yeah. I think you need to get one in there of Dan Soder. Call it Soder Man because Fezzi was on board yesterday with the stick. On board. There already is a cutout of that, but Opie owns it. But maybe we oh, can well. borrow it from him, Fez. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. You were really happy when Dan Soder was in here talking about the wrestling. Yeah, talking about uh, the Nature Boy, Ric Flair. When when was, do you think that your interest peaked? Like with wrestling 
and you watch cartoons, right? Mm-hmm. And you watch Andy Griffith's show. Yeah. And then you watch um, comic book movies. When did that peak where you said, from this point on, I have no more interest? Because, it, I mean, it must have been young that you had these interests, right? Yeah, it's... I was very... I was always kept comic books. I just had boxes and boxes of them when I was a kid. All of us did. Yeah. And then, all of a sudden, like, in the mid-90s, I uh, started... Here's, here's what I, here was the original question. Sorry. At what age did you have... Mayberry, comic books, and wrestling. Because what I'm trying to bring up to you is, it seems like you haven't had added any interest yet. Oh, that was just that was like elementary school. That was like fifth grade where I was. Okay, fifth grade was the peak year, and you haven't picked up a new interest since the fifth grade. No, not even mm. boys, huh? No, I mean I know I like boys. Because sixth I... grade, well, you do that in fifth grade. No. Well, you shouldn't say you like boys now. You're a full-grown man. You should at least say you like men. But at that point, that stopped the I'm looking for outside interest. Yeah, I've, every one of those has stayed with me. I'm going to guess sixth grade, first pube. Is that where we're going with you? Where there's something about puberty that you're like, I'm really not moving forward. Um, yeah, but more like seventh grade, but oh, I, I hated puberty. And you still do. Um, here's uh, Rick. Rick in Pennsylvania. Yes, sir. Ronnie, how you doing today? Yeah. Any chance we can get Michelle to come in and fill in so we don't have to take dead air and crying all day? Today, no, please? the big cat. The big cat is on fucking board Stop. today, dude. Don't start on him. He's making things happen. Ten seconds at a time. I'm going to do a different thing, Fez. I'm going to shoot for 12 seconds at a time. So I can move up. I swear to God, I just looked up and I'm like, why is Joe DeRosa running our board? And it's fucking Anthony. I just thought he was DeRosa. Those, those 1950s glasses are so fucking cool. Um, here's our buddy Janice. Hey, Janice. Hey, Ronnie. Yeah. Um, actually, I was just calling because I can't get any signals or my computing machine. And oh, just, no. I know. This is when I feel so fucking retarded. You missed it. We're talking all about Chicago and the Blues Brothers and everything is happening. <laughs> but I was going to tell you a fun fact that uh, the Retro Network is playing a great lineup tonight out of town. I, I feel like... <laughs> Life, no. But out of towners, we're no angels. The original We're No Angels? Yes, yes. Oh, I love that one. I know it's the best, and it's on a network that they don't commercial break, so. I was looking at Turner Classic uh, movies, and they had the angels that washed their faces coming on this week, and that's the, the same. Why is that funny to you? I thought it. Um, I thought it had a different title. Angels with Dirty Faces. Yeah. But then they. You know, move on, and it became like a series. But angels that washed their faces had Ronald Reagan in it. So <laughs> you're like, there he is doing this fucking B movie of a B movie, and then later he becomes president of the United States. 
All right, thanks for the update on that. I don't know if I get retro, but I got news for you. I'm so locked into MeTV and the stupid shows of of that era. I can't believe how bad they are. I was just talking to uh, Anthony Cumia about this the other day, and um, uh, he's watching a lot of the same kind of programming. So... Um, what was the, remember they used to do McMillan and Wife, and then what else would come on like every oh Columbo, okay. Columbo and yeah. McLeod. So we got talking about that thing like every third week they would do one. But he said on these Columbos, every fucking case would have been thrown out in any court. You know what I mean? It's just <laughs> the police work and the detective work was so bad on it. Yet for some reason we thought they were great at the time. Um, all right, thanks, honey. My, if you my, ever see a police woman with Angie Dickinson? Oh, yeah, it's all been on she, there. She carries her purse like a brick. <laughs> yeah, I know. She would use her purse her to defeat purse. people. That was her super thing. All right, thanks. Um, <laughs> 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Here's Griffin in Chicago. Hey, hey Ron. Uh, I just saw, and they, were, they were talking about it on Bloomberg TV, of all things, but... Somehow in the in the rules committee in the NFL, Ursay is suggest you know the biggest asshole of them all is suggesting a nine point play in the NFL where if you score a touchdown in the last three or two or three minutes of the game, I can't remember, then you have an opportunity to go for two more points, and then you have an opportunity after that if you are successful to kick a field goal from the fifty. I have no idea what the fucking point of that is. First of all, it won't. It, 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 these things happen all the time, and nothing. It's almost like remember the other story, Fez, where you brought up the thing of them switching heads, people switching heads. Mm -hmm. It's nothing. Well, they love to fucking run with stories like this. There's no way you're going to change the sport of football that much. This is not even worth discussing. You might as well say, okay, in the event of a tie, whichever quarterback can make his chick come the first wins the fucking game. It ain't going to happen. Well, they have made some big changes in the last few years, you know. You wonder what, how crazy are they going to get. They haven't I mean, changed the scoring at all. Well, they did go from a... a, a the, they added a two-point conversion to the NFL. They They've had a the two-point conversion since day one, haven't they, Fez? No, it was there, gone, and then back again. Yeah, the two-point conversion, to me, uh, makes more fucking sense than the one-point conversion. Yeah, I, if I yeah. get rid of anything, it's the fact that a person who's not in the game at all, except to come in and kick, uh, has it. But guess what? People are already happy with football. You don't have to fuck with it. You don't need this craziness. I came up with the perfect fucking way not to have overtime, and that is if you tie, right, and you're the second team to tie, you know, you're the second team to score. It's 17 to 17. My, uh, let's say I'm beating Fez 17 to 14. His team kicks a field goal. If that game ends in a tie, since he got their second, we win. So the fucking team that's behind us think to themselves, do I want to tie it up or do I want to go for the win just in case we run out of time? And that would make an exciting angle to the game. And anyone who plays for a tie, fuck you. You know what I mean? Fuck you if you go for a tie. You're garbage anyway. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Mike in Illinois, you're on the Run of Fez show. 
Hey, Ron. Hey, Fez. I just wanted to give a, a big shout-out, a big congratulations to Fez on his uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame gig. Uh. It's uh, very exciting. Can and, I just uh, point something out to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame channel, which, by the way, I was listening to all day yesterday afternoon. Didn't hear anything about you, Fez. But I'm going to point this out. The guy is going 10 seconds at a time. You can't be more pressurized than handling a long day of interviews like that. And they're going to give this gig to Fez? I feel like they're spitting in my face. There, I said it. I'm not going to bring anything up. I don't blame you, Fez. Congratulations mm-hmm. to you. Thank you. I hope, I hope you have a fun, panicky day. But I think this is a, I think this is lunacy to give you this day. And I'll be listening. It'll be April seventeenth at uh, the hard, uh, at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland. I'm going to call you on the phone that day, and you know what I'm going to say? What? If I was you, I'd start panicking right now. I'd be freaking out. That's not going to help me. Good. And I'm going to tell all those other people that are dealing with that that you said bad things about them. I'll go, look, if you're so happy about being in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, ask the host what albums you've done. Hey, the other day you guys were doing a rap battle with Shelby. I got a rap for Fez. Go ahead. Uh, My name is Fez, and I'll be fine when Shelby's on the unemployment line. Hope to put a smile on your face, Fez. Yeah, white people should never do that. So, no, I'm not mad at you, Fez. I'm mad at this company for being so stupid to give you that prime gig. Yeah, I wasn't expecting it. I just, uh, they... You've politicked for it. You know it. I met with Bladder and Greg Steele, and boom, I was in. And you can hear it on Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Radio. That's channel 310 on Sirius XM. I'll be fucking listening, dude. I'll be listening. I definitely don't want to be in a vehicle when that's happening, because I'll drive off the fucking road. I'll listen from a bunker. And by the way, that was me who lit that fire yesterday, because I'm so pissed off and jealous about it. I'm jealous of you. There, I said it. I'm jealous of you, because your career is taking off. You're in the middle of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You're probably Mr. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame now. And you know who I am, Fez? Who? Shit. That's me. I'm just shit. And everything is about you. Uh, Mike, in Chicago. Hey, guys. Hey, Fez, you're full of shit again. You said you were going to talk about the NFL unless Michael Sam was involved. Uh, you've missed a lot of episodes here. Episodes? Mike, what are you talking about? Michael Sam. I uh, talked to Michael Sam's agent, and Michael Sam wants me involved in football again. That's fucking bullshit. You know it. I can't feel. The I have same the email. Way. All right, I have an email here that I'm writing up saying, "Let Ron host with you, David, San Francisco." Hey, what's up, guys? Yeah. Uh, Fuzzy, you need some kind of gimmick every day. What you should do is just get some kind of hat, captain's hat or something. And just put that shirt on when you walk in the studio and you become that guy. You need some gimmick, Fuzzy. We need your back, baby. You got a backstory, Fuzz. Mm-hmm. Captain's hat. You want to start and go with the captain's hat? I'll call myself Tennille. I don't know. 
Well, you put on the captain's hat when you do the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Just say to people, I'm sure everyone remembers me from the 70s. I used to play keyboards for Tennille. Um, Hey, here's our buddy Andy in Cleveland. Andy. Hey, guys. So, Fetty, you're coming to Cleveland? Yeah. Coming to what? Cleveland in the middle of April. Well, shit. Uh, we'll, we'll have to do dinner. That'll be awesome. Let's do that. Uh, yes. Uh, we'll Andy, that. make uh, sure you bring money because he won't. Uh, well, yeah, well, you know, I listen. Um, <laughs> so, How many dinners uh, 28. I want all of them tonight. That's a that? big bang bang. I don't know. Uh, well, so what can we do for you today, Andy? Uh, well, just real quickly, chiming on the DC thing. Uh, Momoa was an idiot to write that. Um, there is a lot of, I think DC hate is popular on the internet right now. Everybody seems to be landing up behind Marvel to, you know, fully oh, glorify them. So the the fanboys are hating on DC. Uh, well, you, you can kind of get a vibe of it when you go to some of like the like the bigger geek rooms, like Anacool News and Morse Previews and Latino Review and that kind of stuff. Anacool News TV uh, TV critics actually, you know, very loudly came out like that he absolutely hated the um, the Flash and the Arrow and all the stuff that he's like basically. So he kind of got the ball rolling there. Well, here's what I think that is: when people hate DC, I think it's just like elder build bullying. Like they find the elderly people who grew up in the 1930s, a la Fez, and they think it's easy to bully them right now. Yeah, and I think I think when you get it all comes down to the writing. It all comes down to the scripts and the stories. You know, when you see these movies that they try to do with some of the older characters, that are you know, and they kind of try to stick to the stick to the narrative of the older characters, like like with the Lone Ranger. And well, they screwed that up with Johnny Depp, but you know, still a lot of people said it was a cheesy story. And I'm like, it's a story about a guy who always gets saved by his Indian buddy or his horse. If you don't know that coming into it, then you don't understand what movie you're seeing. And I think a lot with a lot of the DC stuff, it's the same thing. It's, they're all they're older, they're older, they're more classic. They can be told well, but it takes talent. And a lot of times, Hollywood will go in the wrong direction. And a lot of times, the writers get pushed to the side, and we're going to go for bigger, better, splashier effects that we don't need. And uh, well, you, you know, the storytelling tends to get plucked. Andy, what's um, um, what's going on right now with your movie? Uh, well, I just finished yesterday. I just did the ADR uh, uh-huh. for um, the Pups United, which is the kids' film. It's a little bit of an Air Bud knockoff. Uh, uh, talking dogs, playing soccer, lots of fun there. And uh, me and this other guy play two thieves that throughout the entire movie are trying to pull a heist at this uh, kids' soccer tournament, which, yeah. I, <laughs> so take that for what it's worth. Well, I'll just um, wait. I'll wait until after the Oscar nominations. And... I'll go and see it then. Andy, good to talk to you. Fez, do you agree with what he's saying about some of the Marvel DC stuff? Um, yeah, it does. Yeah, because some of these movies can be really, really bad. The Green Lantern movie was awful unless you can do the story right. That's why I've always said just take a, a comic book, one of the graphic novel full-length ones, use that as a storyboard, and make that into a comic book movie. Well, they're spending $200 million on it, right? They want to do it their way. Because I, I think you would be surprised if you just shot that storyboard, you know, piece for piece, how 
few dialogue it would have. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And people would be like, what is going on? Um, and I know that you've always said that, but that's what I'm saying. You bring things, you DC guys, the elderly, you know what I mean? And even though you're slowing down and sometimes there's an odor, you still bring so much to the table. And I'd like to point that out to the young people. Because I remember that story when you told me that when you were younger and you found out that the first man had landed on Greenland. And I'm like, that's such an interesting story. Not a lot of people that were, you know, not a lot of people alive today were there for that. Yeah. But you knew when they planted that flag on Greenland uh, how exciting it was. Uh, hey, Brian, what can we do for you, buddy? Well, I saw recently that Katie Holmes was uh, a scene out and about with uh, Jamie Foxx. And I was wondering if you and Fez thought that that was an upgrade or a downgrade for her or, you know, what, what's going on with that? Well, uh, well first oh, of all, oh, I never get... Happy, happy birthday, Ron. I wanted to get that in. Oh, thank you very much. It's uh, an exciting, you know, uh, it's an exciting day for me. Fez just gave me a present, the present of laughter. I, I never <laughs> pay attention to who dates who, and this is the first I've even heard about the... Katie Holmes, Jamie Foxx, but I hope it works out. I just want all the celebrities to be happy with each other in their dating. I saw the a thing in the post where uh, Katie and Tom don't talk to each other anymore, and I actually said, like, why would I give a fuck? <laughs> why? What? What does that have to do with anything? Nothing. Oh, I forgot to tell you this. So I go out for a smoke and I'm leaving here yesterday, and I see Mr. Larry David leaving the theater. Tons of people around. Just going crazy to see Larry David. And as he got into the car, he gives like a big wave to everybody. Classy. Um, I, the iBang has the pictures up of what was going on. And there was a cub reporter for the iBang who had videotaped it, but had um, fucked up what they were doing. So the videotape, when it was looked at later, was just the posting of of the street, walk along on, this fucking videotape is going to be great. That's the only (laughs) thing that made it. But, you know, kids, what are you going to do? Here's Danny, Shaolin. Hey, uh, Fezzi, I heard that both the Cranberries and the Blueberries were getting inducted into the Rock and Roll Hand Hall of Fame this year. It's going to be standalone, right, brother? Don't let that get into your head right. when you're doing that. Don't be like, uh, so the Cranberries are here. The Cranberries are a, a, a standalone, a standalone rock band. Are you familiar with the Cranberries? No. And yet they're giving you the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, I think it's my, you know, uh, freshness to it that they appreciate. That I just don't know who these people are, so there's no prejudging going in on my part. Well, we were, we're supposed to prejudge. No one wants to have someone who's not familiar with any of the music to show up and honor a lifetime career. The judgment is, your career is so great, we've decided to put you in this Hall of Fame forever. This is the one time there's absolute judgment. 
We want you to prejudge. That way we know you're an expert who belongs there. We don't want you to sit there and say to Bruce Springsteen, now who are the fellas standing behind you? This is a fucking travesty. Put yourself in my shoes, Fez, mm-hmm. and just think like me for a minute and, and think what I'm thinking right now and feel the feelings I have about you getting this gig, and I dare you to stop stabbing yourself in the neck. You know what Ben this is? No. This is the fucking cranberries. Oh. That we've been talking about. Jenny. Hey, Jenny. Hey. What's going on? Um, so, you know, going back to the, the football thing, if I may, for a moment. Sure. Giants? You want the Giants score? No. Is that it, Jenny? No. Well, yeah, I like Frank that all, Gifford? all the time. Is that but... it? Frank Gifford? No. <laughs> we want to bring the gift back. There's 23 proposed rule changes in the NFL. There's four changes to the bylaws and one resolution, which the resolution is they want stadiums to be able to open their retractable roofs during halftime shows. This is the kind of stupid shit oh, the NFL Jesus. owners do during the, ha- during the meetings. They're so, so gacked up when this is happening. <laughs> This is fucking gag dog. One of the things they want to do that that is a rule change is to change the linebacker numbers. Linebackers would only be numbered 40 to 49. Why would that? So they would add 40 to 49 as a number that a linebacker could wear. That's a rule change that they want to look at. Like, this is the stupid shit that these guys, these billionaires, sit around and think of. Uh, I don't get it. I don't get it either. And, I don't and get it, Jenny. 13 of the 23 rules have to do with replay, that the changes they want to do. Jenny, I saw that your house in the Hamptons caught on fire, and I felt <laughs> terrible about it. That's bad. Yeah, I know. I couldn't. Uh, it was, was Earl connected with this somehow? Did Earl? I, can't, I don't know. I think he was working last night, so he's clear. I saw him last night here, so... I don't think Earl had anything to do with it. I don't think he gets out to the Hamptons that often either. Are you kidding? He won't go anywhere. There's water. <laughs> I think Earl could swim. Uh, you know, I, I I was down at the beach one time, and he goes, why can't we see the other end of the East River? I go, that's not the East River. Oh, that's the fucking Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> I haven't even seen him in a long time. How's he doing? He's doing great. Yeah. He couldn't be better. I saw him here, uh, like I said, I saw him last night. Yeah. Setting the vibe. He was vibing the joint. I know. He sent me a text this morning. It just said, Blacker to bury, my brother. The blacker to bury. <laughs> and I go, what? He's talking about the cranberries? I don't know what he's talking about. All right, my friend Johnny. Later, boys. Peace. Mark in Virginia. Ronnie, happy new year. Happy um, new year to you, my friend. Thank you. I was wondering what makes you more angry, the fact that Fez got this gig or the fact that the guy who gave it to him obviously doesn't listen to your show. Well, it's not so much that I'm mad at Fez for getting the gig. It's more that I hate him for getting it. (laughs) That's the thing. And I don't want to. That's why I don't want this to come in between us, Fez. No, me neither. But I'm going to physically do something to you. Out of my own jealousy and pain. Before I get to Cleveland? That should be the name of your fucking biography. What would you call your biography? Let's see. Well, let's play that impromptu match game. Uh, And give me the match game theme, would you, Fez? Yeah. There we go. 
I'm going to write down. I'll, we'll we'll just do it this way. The name of Fez's biography is, and I'm uh, I'm going to write down mine, and we'll try to match. And I kind of uh, I kind of feel like if you've been doing radio together as long as Fez and I have, you will be able to match each other no matter what. Alright, so let's just give this a try. The name of Fez's biography is... Panic Attack. Oh. I uh, had drowning in a foot of water. God damn it. So close. Drowning in a foot of water. Ah, really wanted to get that. And that's actually the second one that I wrote down. I wrote something else down before. What was that? No dick for Dicky Dick. <laughs> Which I think if we decide to do it as a comedy, that's what it should be. But if we want to be realistic, drowning in a foot of water. Which I guess people who panic do, right? Yeah, that can happen. Yeah, to an idiot. Stand the fuck up, motherfucker. You're fine. You end up on your back, you can't flip over, something's going on. Yeah, what are you, a turtle? Foot gets caught. No, you just fucking don't think to yourself, oh, I can touch here, it's easy. I'll stand up. What do I care if the guest's fucking canceled? I don't want them to carry me anyway. I want the fucking mic. I'm Mike Jones Jr. Say I'm Mike Jones Jr. I am Mike Jones Jr. Now get your left leg going with your right leg and you'll have be able have like a little fucking party over there. It's the Ron and Fez show. Two best buddies doing a show together. Killing it too. You know what I'm saying, Fez? Mm-hmm. Killing this fucking <laughs> mm-hmm. Killing this shit. Oh, I got a little fucking I got a little spy report on Fez Watley. Um, spy report. Spy report. Spy report. Fez Watley, you suffer from what disease? Sundowners. No, that's a fucking made-up one. Your physical diseases. Oh, diabetes, type 2. Uh, what type of, uh, what is that called? Type 2 diabetes. Is that short for sugar diabetes? Yes. And that means you should be staying away from? Sugar. So why, pray tell, and I'm going to ask the men and women of the jury of this. Why, pray tell, were you seen walking into a West Village soda shop? I did not have any sugar at that soda shop. Why were you in there? I went in there to have dinner on my way home. I heard that you were having a root beer float. You know who told me? Yes, I do. And can I stop pulling teeth? Oh, it was UCB Fred, our former intern. What are you doing with a root beer float? I did not have a root beer float. He's a liar. Maybe he was just going with the bit. Uh, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. It is the Ron and Fez show. Our guest is not going to be here, so Fez and I are going to go straight to midnight tonight. Or would you make like this, Fezzy? We do 24-hour party people. Are you down with that? No. Dude. 24-hour party people. 
I don't think I would make 24 hours. We go 24 hours straight. We're already an hour into it, so it's really 23 hours. Ready to go 24 hours, Fez? Yeah. Round the clock. Yep. Yep. What band is this? I thought it was 24-hour party, people. This is going to be the worst rock and roll Hall of Fame ever. Happy what? Go lucky. Happy go lucky. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Happy Go Lucky. John in Oregon. Hey there, Ron. Uh, do you think that uh, SiriusXM and Yahoo's will send Fizz for his next gig to the Vatican to interview the Pope at Easter? Well, you know, the Pope's coming over to NYC. I think he's doing New York, Philly, and one other city. I think Scranton. Um, but here's the deal on the Pope. He already says he's a short-timer. Uh, I would only have uh, one question for him. What's that? How do you live with yourself? Seriously, how do you fucking live with yourself, sir? Uh, Dave, Michigan. Yeah. How you doing, buddy? All right. Yeah. Uh, what's happening? Cause I thought I was still talking to the screeners. Uh, yeah, we're still the screeners. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm worried about the big cat. I think this is a conspiracy. To what? Um... The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame doesn't make any sense, and I don't know anyone who listens to that channel. Do you think maybe... I listen to that channel. I think it's great. Well, then, I know I'm talking to one person, then, that, that listens to that channel. Do you think that they're moving the big cat over there to slowly get him out of Ron and Fez and maybe make it Ron and Big Lift? Because uh, I, I hear what's going on with some of these people, mm-hmm. and they're trying to get in your head. Yeah. You need to fucking focus. You know what you are right now? You're John Candy in a fucking sailboat race, all right? Nobody thinks that you can win this thing. What are you going to do? I'm going to win. How are you going to win, Fez? You're going to take your fucking pants, run them up the fucking flagpole, and get that extra fucking win that you need to end up beating that guy. And then you guys all go back to that lobster place and have some crabs. For some reason, I get most of the things that happened in that movie. Don't worry about your daughter. There's a Chinaman down below taking care of her. 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. It is the Ron and Fez show. 
Sean Penn was on uh, the Conan show last night. Conan O'Brien show. Did you watch it, Fez? Um, I saw a clip on the iBang. There's a clip up on the iBang about it. Yes. Sweet. What did uh, Sean have to say? Well, Conan asked him about uh, what's still going on about Sean Penn's Oscar appearance, where he gave Best Picture to Birdman, and then said about the director, who's his friend, how did this son of a bitch get a green card? So Conan was asking about the backlash all over social media and what Sean thought about that. And I think Sean Penn nailed it perfectly. What was it, Fess? Sorry. Um, Why are you saying sorry? I just asked what was it. Um, I I can't say fucking anything, dude. All I said is what did he say? Like people say back and forth each other. Yeah. But, I mean, you don't have to fucking apologize to me. Okay. I, I wasn't being a dick. No, he said, I think he nailed Twitter perfectly where he said people will go on there and latch on to anything negative that they can find out about someone else and try to promote it as negative just so they can be part of a group think. They're so uh, uh, alone in their lives yeah. that they will latch on to that. And you agree with him? Yes. I then absolutely- let me ask you this. How's that not a group think? But that's that's the theory behind why people are so negative on Twitter. Yeah, but what I said, the fact that you just adapted that with him, and now you guys share it, isn't that a group think? That would be a group think, too. All right, so it's more of an agreement, really. All right, so group think against group thinks. But I wonder now if Twitter would be less negative, if there would be less horrible troll people on there. Fuck all you Twitter responders. Absolutely. Fuck all you Twitter responders. If they took away the option, like, to like someone's tweet, to retweet something, if people knew they couldn't try to uh, jump on board someone's really negative bandwagon, if people would still bother, since they're not getting the attention. I think that was another thing Sean Penn was saying, that they ju- it's just an attention-getting thing. So they can, you know, be looked at by these other negative trolls. Sean Penn's career isn't an isn't an attention seeking thing. He's a fucking actor who was on a TV show to sell a movie, and now he's going to turn around and call somebody else an attention whore. Well, it's an attention whore for something for saying something negative about someone or trying to bully somebody. Yeah, because Sean Penn doesn't know anything about bullying. Ask fucking Madonna and her bruised 1986 fucking mug. Look, I like Sean Penn, but he wouldn't be doing Conan unless it was to push this fucking action movie. Yeah, but there's nothing negative about that. That's not someone harassing someone else on Twitter. No, but it's making guns look cool, and I thought you were anti-guns. I am anti-gun. I'm not going to go see that movie. Part of that group think? I only want to think from groups from this point on. I want to fucking travel around with a hive of weirdos, and we all start talking at the same time. Hopefully, like children of the corn. You know, yesterday I'm out in New York. The amount of fucking bars with Premier League soccer on was crazy. I don't know if soccer is catching on around the country, 
But a fucking one's on the east side, or beast side, as somebody, uh, some people call it. Um, here's Tyler in Texas. Hey, Ron, I wanted to see what you thought about the Cranberries getting inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame when there's when there's other people that that have done more for music that have nothing to show for it, like Rocky Erickson. When Cranberries came from a time where everybody was doing Tyler, what they're, doing. they're not going into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. A guy joked about it because Fez had the blueberry meltdown. Dear God, yeah. I was so disappointed. Yeah, so give your fucking uh, 90s angst a break for a few minutes. All right, Hosp writes this in a question of Ask Fez Some Things. Fez is allowed to make gay jokes because he's gay. But am I, as a potent heterosexual male, allowed to laugh at it because it's it's saying someone else has homosexual sex with another man and that's hysterical? That's an interesting fucking point. That he thinks he's potent? No, that you make the joke, right? Where you act like, oh, uh, I think your joke was basically Shelby did a, had a gay act, right? Mm-hmm. Is it okay for him to sit and laugh hard, thinking, yeah, that is fucking funny. He is one of them. Or is, should he have to stifle his laugh? He should stifle his laugh. He should actually denounce me. Okay, so denounce you based on what? Of making a gay joke. All right. So you were wrong then? No, I was right because I can make a gay joke, but only other gay people should have laughed at it. So straight people can't even hear that gay joke? No, that should just be amongst us. Then why say it to in kind of a straight room with mainly straight listeners? It just popped into my head. So you had nothing to do with it. It popped into your head. Yeah, I had something to do with it because I said it. But you have nothing to do with your thoughts. I don't feel like I do. Who does then? Who's in charge of Fez's thoughts? I have no idea. If you had to guess? I guess it's... I I don't know because it should be me, but I don't feel like I can... Like, have, um, when the panic thoughts come in there, I don't feel like I have control over that. At least not a lot of it. So if you're not making those thoughts, who is? I don't know. But someone is. I th- it's just my mind doing it. And your mind is you. Yeah. So how is that not you making the thoughts? I, I guess it is me. All right, so you made up a gay joke. Yeah. Uh, and you take responsibility for that. Yes. And then you take responsibility for saying it. Yes. And then straight people shouldn't listen to it? No, they shouldn't laugh at it, no. Just other gay people should. Okay. All right. So I see your sense there. I see the logic behind it all. There you have it, folks. When Fez talks, only laugh if it's an acceptable joke. Unless you're gay, and then laugh about men having sex together. Yes. So what is the funny part of that joke? That 
Shelby had sex with a Chinese boy. That it wouldn't be Chinese food, it would be a Chinese person. I understand, but I got that part of it. But why is it funny that he has sex with a Chinese boy? That he's trying to cover it up by saying it was the food. Right, I understand that, but would the same joke be funny if he had sex with a Chinese girl? No. Okay, it's only funny if he had sex with a Chinese boy. Right. right? And why is that funny? Because that bothers him. Which just opened me up to a whole lot of jokes. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I, I'm always curious about that. It's totally acceptable for two men to have sex, right? Yes. Then why is it funny? That's, it, the, that's the weird question. I think it's funny thinking of Shelby having sex no matter what the gender is. And yet we wouldn't laugh if he had sex with a woman, right? Right. We wouldn't be able to say, oh, you had sex with a Chinese woman, and we all wouldn't start laughing. Yet if you said, as in your joke, he had sex with a Chinese boy, we start laughing. So no, it's not funny if he has sex with any gender. It's only funny if he has sex with a guy. Yeah. So my thought is, why is that always the funny thing, even now, even though we're so accepting of it? I think it still makes people nervous. I didn't get nervous. Did you get nervous? Oh, I'm always nervous thinking about gay sex. Because? I haven't had it yet. Because it's... Disgusting? No. It's what, then? Gay it's sex new. is what? It's new to me. All right, but not to you. Let's suppose you're part of the, you know, human... All right, let me just say this. Heterosexual sex is... What? Um, gross. You always felt that way? Um... Yeah. Even when you were a straight guy? I you think... You thought it was gross? I think there was a lot of it that was like, uh, that I didn't realize was such a turn-off to me. All right, but, but you, so you're saying you always thought it was gross? Yeah, I'll say what, that. What part of it was gross to you? Um, the swapping of fluids. Mm-hmm. The fact that there's fluids made you sick. Yeah, I'm trying to think of answers. No, you don't have to. You just have we're two fellows having a conversation. Um, so the swapping of fluids is gross. Yeah. Is it gross when two guys do it? There's certain things that I, I find gross even when I watch, like, gay porn. All right, give me one. There's a lot of spitting going on. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of that. That That is gross to me, even when, when, even when it's guys doing it. And what else is gross to Um Any sort of, um, now I can't even think of the word, like, like pissing on somebody. I can't even think of what that's called now. Pissing. Pissing works for me. So uh, you see a lot of pissing on each other in gay porn. Yeah. All right. Uh, what else grosses you out? I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Fisting seems a bit too extreme. I can't think of anything else. Uh, 
still, still kind of grosses you out, right? Gay sex and straight sex. Yeah. Why don't you go for the asexual thing, dude? I was reading this thing. A lot of people sent it to me as Vice. And there were a lot of dudes who said that they kind of had gay tendencies, that they were completely asexual, though. I'm like, that sounds like Fez. Like, he likes guys, but doesn't really want to do anything with them. Um, like, what is your fantasy? I mean, I would... Um, I mean, I have sexual fantasies of having sex. That, that would be really a se- sounded stupid, too. That would be a sexual fantasy. All right, so if we said... I mean, I mean, a lot of my, uh, like, daydreams or whatever mm-hmm. go to a more romantic thing mm-hmm. of kissing, hand-holding... Any hand-jobbing. Yeah. I mean, eventually it gets there. Eventually. So you don't... But, I mean, it's... Yeah, I mean, but I fantasize about the romantic part of it as so you, much so you, as sex. All right, so you're saying that in your fantasies... It's a first date thing with an implied thought that that sex will happen later. Yeah. So your sexual fantasies don't necessarily include sex. It's the get to know you, get to like you, and then maybe someday because of this, this will lead to something. Yeah. I mean, if I'm walking down the street in the West Village and I see like a, a gay couple together... Mm. Or a gay couple having lunch together, like, outside a restaurant. No, is that slang? I don't know about when having lunch together is, like, one shitting on the other no. into their mouth. No. Because I never That's know just the, having lunch. I don't know what the... I don't know what all the slang means. But I'll envy that more than I'll envy, like, anything I've seen in a gay porn. You just wish you had somebody to go to the soda shop with. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah. So, a friendship is what you're looking for. Yeah, but I would also like to take that further and be intimate with that friend. But down the road somewhere. Yeah, not first night. Because that would be... Frightening. All right, so the the, the sex part is frightening. Yeah. The walking along the East Village, holding hands, going to a soda shop, or maybe a comic book movie... As long as it's a, a DC comic book movie. Yes, sir. Exciting. Yeah. But not doing anything sexual. Not right away. Not in any foreseeable point. No. But down, yeah, I mean, that's also like a part of the fantasy where like that other stuff you've talked about all happens. And then the, the fisting and pissing? No, not no, not that far back. Back. Um here's uh Sarah. She wants to jump in. Go ahead, Sarah. Um, what you guys are talking about is they actually have terms for it in the asexual community is like he's a homo romantic asexual. It's, I, you know, asexual people who like the company of the same sex. Um, and maybe even have a small amount of a sex drive, but, you know, it's not really important. I think that that would be perfect for you, Fez. Instead of being down there in the village where you're worried about young people moving fast, 
dancing with their shirts off, all the stuff that you feel like you're not part of, to find yourself, and they have a lot of elderly care places, an old homosexual that you can sit with. Yeah, but then I run into the thing of I'm not attracted. You're not going to do anything anyway. You're not going to have sex anyway. You're a homo-romantic asexual. But yeah, you just have lunch and cuddle and yeah. do all that stuff. And you have lunch, about, you, know, you, make, you do that, oh, I have, fuck, I forgot to bring my wallet. Could you pay for this again? I'm going to make it up to you, though, with 28 lunches in the future. <laughs> Fez, why does that make you look down and make you feel bad? What is wrong with being a homo-romantic uh, asexual? Because I can't put into words that I don't want to sit with a senior citizen, even though I want someone else to. Here's the deal, dude. If you get good at that, then you can move on and you decide. But this is a oh, nice... Oh, I'll break that old man's heart. What What are you worried about with the heartbreak? Um... I always worry about this. This is so Go ahead. stupid to think about this. First but, of all, let me just give you this advice. Don't fucking work against yourself like this, all right? Go forward. You don't have to be the fucking prosecuting attorney against yourself. You handle your case. Now put it out there how you actually feel. I feel I get nervous in my fantasies and daydreams that if, when I think about things down the road... That if um, I'm with somebody and I don't want to be with someone, that um, I won't be able to break up with them. I know. I have the same problem. But you're worried about, like, the end of the book before you even start reading it. Yeah, really he doesn't about. live in the moment. Like, even now, like we were saying today, somebody canceled that was supposed to be in at one thirty, and that freaked them out thinking that he had to go an extra half hour of talking about stuff. You are, you're worried about getting your heart broken. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, oh God, that's a whole nother part of it too. Go ahead. That's a whole thing of like jealousy issues. Like if I do find someone that I really, really like get into a relationship that I will just drive them out the door through non-trust. Because why? Because I'll be jealous if they talk to other people. Why are you jealous I, if they talk to other people? I don't. Um, I don't. I have bad jealousy things. Okay. Um, and I, what, here's what I always believe: that we never do anything for a negative reason. We do it for a positive reason. What? What good comes out of being jealous? How does that help you? Um. I it's got to help you. It's got to help you. You wouldn't do it. What motivates you to be jealous? Then I can... Um, I don't know. Um, no, I can, it, it's got to be a reason. All right, let's, let's, let's play with the other side. If you're with a person, you're jealous that they're going to be with someone else, right? Yeah. And that would be bad. Why? Because they wouldn't want to be with me. Well, they're not with you now anyway, right? So whatever this person is, they're already with somebody else, right? So even if you only got this good person 10% of the time, that would be a lot more than you're with this person now. 
Yeah. Okay. So that would be good, right? That, yeah, that would be. A, yeah, that's true. So what would be so bad about them when they're not with you? Um, that they're finding someone that they like better. But they're not with you now anyhow. Right, but my thought was if I was with somebody. Right, but what I'm saying is where you are now, right? Mm -hmm. You already don't have any time with somebody to do the cuddling and the walking. So even if it only happened once a month, you're one day a month more where you are now. You couldn't possibly fall back any further than this. You know, mm -hmm. so you really are at the point that you got nothing to be jealous about. Even if they only talk to you on the phone once a day, that would be better than where you are now. So why would you ever worry about being jealous? If anything, you're in the plus. Um. Yeah, that makes sense. And the reason why they would find somebody else better than you is because why? Because I'm not a good person. I drive people crazy. So the person who really is rejecting Fez is you, right? Yeah. Yeah, because the whole thing's in my head. Because you're unlovable. You're somebody that cannot be loved and shouldn't be loved. Yeah. So you don't deserve love. No, I don't. No. Well, then you're in the you're in the right place where you are right now. You're exactly where you think you belong. Right. Yeah. So that should make you happy. There's a fairness to the universe now. Yeah, that all makes sense. So this is great. You've achieved your goal. Now what's your next goal? To be lovable. So how would you go about doing that? Try to quit panicking all the time. Well, uh, you don't think panic, uh, panic uh, people deserve love? Yeah, but I shouldn't. It should be my panic, and I shouldn't keep pe putting it on everybody. But is that the like reason? I do now. Is that the reason that you're unlovable? Because you're because you panic. Is that the reason that you drive people away? Because you panic. Um, not. I mean, it's not an attractive quality, but the panic makes me go away from people. I think more than so you drives people away. Okay, so does that, that make no? Did I say a, that right? Yeah, that's a. I think it's perfectly said. I mean, it's a completely different thing that what you said from before, but there's the that's that I think is probably closer to the truth. It's not so much that your panic drives people away; it's that you drive yourself away from people because you panic. Right? Yeah. So in other words, they don't I, not love you because you panic. You feel you are unlovable and go away before you panic. And like before you told us that you are unlovable, right? Yeah. And you don't have anyone, so that should work out well. You know what I mean? So the point was, I think, for you to even get going, 
is you've got to make your, you've got to behave in a way that you think you are deserving of love before you will accept love. And the reason that you have jealousy is that you think that anyone who would love you is untrustable. And of course is going to go off and do things. Yeah. You would almost agree with anyone who wouldn't want to be with you. Right. And that, yeah, that, and that's why I said earlier that if I was jealous, I would send that person away. Maybe it's more of if I keep panicking, I'm going to send that person away. It's not, you don't send them away. You go away from them. You already explained that to us. Your, your panic. Yeah, that's what I meant to say. Your panic hasn't pushed people away. Your panic rejects. So your jealousy is a way of pushing people away. Which means, again, you got right back to where you wanted to be in the, in the first place was alone. You're actually achieving your goals, is what I'm telling you. Mm -hmm. You are achieving your goals, and you're doing the things that let you get your goals. And my only question would be, why doesn't that make you happy? Because there are a lot of people who are alone who are ecstatic about it, who love their alone time and enjoy their alone time. And you work very hard to get alone time, and then you say, oh, but that's not what I want. But everything you do sets that up. So, here's my thought. You think you're unlovable, right? Yeah. Unworthy of love. Yeah. I... So you got two choices to, to go with. Number one, you enjoy this thing. You enjoy being unlovable. You enjoy keeping people at bay. That would be gratitude. I enjoy this time alone. I want to be that way. And then you, you say, I see this as successful. Or you would turn around and make yourself worthy of love. And the first person that would be would be you. You have to become worthy of your own love. Yeah, I agree with that. And what would that be? Um I don't know. Um Um, not seeing the panic as such a bad thing. So it always comes back to the panic again, or else you're just trying to guess on how to please me. Because I don't think it has anything to do with the panic. I think it is a much bigger moral issue for you. There's something about you that you don't like. Or something that you wished you would do, but you don't. But it comes back being the panic, but I think the main thing about the panic is being discovered. You know what I mean? I think your panic comes from a fear of being discovered. Of people seeing my panic? Forget the panic is a byproduct, Fess. You panic because you're worried about people seeing something in you. Either something that you do that you're ashamed of or something that you don't do that you're ashamed of. And that's the reason why you don't love yourself. You haven't done something that is worthy of your own love or you do something that makes you unworthy. You either do something you're ashamed of or you don't do something that you think you should do and that makes you ashamed. 
I would say it's the second one. What is that then? I don't do my job well. I don't. Go ahead. I don't perform well. I don't. Um, live up to responsibilities. Can I tell you something though? There are a lot of fucking unemployed people who are very lovable. You know what I mean? And get love. There are a lot of people who go out there and don't pay their bills and their love. There are a lot of people who go out there and fuck around because and their love. So I'm not sure if it's that. I mean, there are very few people that are loved for their job alone. I'm not talking about the money that comes from it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So I'm not sure if it has to do with work. May, but I'm not sure. And here's the bad problem with this. The only person that would know would be you. That's a... um that's what I feel it is. What's that? Of not doing the things that I should be able to do. Maybe it's not It's not even doing the things that I can't do. It's, Was there a time in your life that you were uh, doing the things that you're supposed to do, work-wise? Yeah. Did you have love then? Yeah. Who loved you? Um... Friends love me, family love me. Romantic love. And oh. by the way, do your friends not love you now? No, they do. But I, I liked me then. I was a fan I, of me I, then. I, but let's. But we're going back to you know saying that, uh, of having love in your life. Does any of the people who loved you then not love you now? No, they do. So that your lack of being able to do your job the way you like to do your job hasn't hurt them. They're like, I don't love you anymore, Fez. You're not as funny or as creative as you were before. No, that hasn't happened. All right, so that isn't the thing that draws people in. And you didn't have romantic love then, right? No. But if you have friends and family that love you, you're lovable, right? Yeah, that yeah, that makes sense, yes. So, so... I don't understand where it's all coming from. A lot of the logic that you're using, right, doesn't set up for a place for you to win, and even things that happen you don't have gratitude for. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I think so, yeah. I mean, you're not sitting here telling me, oh, I, I have the love of friends and family. Now, if there was just one more romantic thing, my life would be perfect, right? That would be pretty close. To where you would want to be, right? Yeah. And yet you act like it's miles and miles away. Unachievable, actually. You act like these things are unachievable. And then we just broke it down that there's only one small piece missing. And, um, and I guess the loving myself. You don't love yourself. No. Do you like yourself? No. Then how are you any different than these fucking Twitter trolls that you bitch about? How are you even slightly different? If anything, you have something in common with them. 
I don't put it online. So the only I, I don't send an email to myself. And you don't say it to yourself, right? You don't say bad things to yourself. No, I do. Okay, so the only difference is you don't email it to yourself. Yeah, I don't go out of my way to do it to somebody else. Right. But we're talking about you, and you never say bad things about people. No, I do. I mean, I don't live up to what I say. So that's, uh, you know, uh, that's why I said the, the asexual thing. I think if you just shot for the asexual thing, you'd be happy. Or you'd have a better chance of achieving some kind of comfort. I don't think the sex is a big deal to you. No, it's, I mean, no, if it, if it was such a huge deal, I probably would have gotten past the nervousness about it to do it. Like, I hate to fly, but I will get myself on a plane if there's some place to go. Uh, here's somebody I believe that can help you. Um, crazed. You're hey, on with Fez. What's up, Ronnie? What's hey, up, crazed. Fezzy? Uh, uh, Fezzy, how you doing, man? What's up, Craze? What can we do for you today? Um, I think I would recommend something to, to you that could be beneficial. Um, I was thinking about uh, transcendental meditation. Did that I'm work for you, Craze? Some classes. Yeah. And uh, think it might help with the anxiety and depression. And it's like a recharge. You you, you do like twenty minutes in the morning, and twenty minutes at night. And I think you'd probably feel better from it. I know I tried to do it when I that first thing. What did you say? I, what did you say, Fuzzy? I said I tried to do it when uh, when Oprah had that online course. Oh, okay. Um, well, maybe try it again, you know? Craze, where you been, man? We haven't seen you forever. Um, been trying to find a job, Ronnie. You know, it's it's hard. You haven't anyway, gotten any work since that guy ate your lunch? Uh, you know, that was just a moronic thing, uh, Ronnie. I just, I've been learning to control my cool lately, you know? I've been a lot happier because of it. You haven't worked in how long, Chris? Almost a year, Ronnie. I gotta get back to work. What do you, what do you do all day? Um, I, uh, I, uh, try to keep myself occupied, try to keep myself strong, reading books, working out, try to get myself in shape, you know? We got to get you to stop in again one day, pal. I will, definitely. What about your dream of being a, uh, EDM, uh, DJ? Any chance of that happening? Well... 
I got to uh, first get a job uh-huh. d- d- to uh, to get the, m- the money for the equipment that I uh, need. You know. What DJ are you digging right now? Who's your guy? There's so many out there, Ronnie. That that's another that's another reason why it's going to be hard because it, there's so many competitors. I think you'll beat them out there. I honestly believe that you're going to beat them. <laughs> Well, thanks, Ronnie. Thanks for the encouragement. I'll be at your first big show with a glow stick. <laughs> it was crazy giving you advice, Fez. Meditation. And, and Fezzy, uh, try to take the... Maybe uh, try it again, you know? Maybe right. it'll work. All right, peace. Uh, here's Pat. Go ahead, Pat. Hey, uh, maybe Fez needs to smoke a little weed, sprinkle a little angel dust on it, just blaze it up. Here's Chris. Chris, Texas. Hey, man, uh, I, I started to realize um, Fez wants all the benefits of, like, having a nice, quaint boyfriend without any of the sexual stuff, and he's also really, uh, he's nervous about he's going to leave me, he's not really going to like me, uh, all that kind of stuff. I have a perfect plan. Get yourself a wheelchair, find a nice twink on the sidewalk, shoot him in the back of the head, put him in the wheelchair, put some sunglasses on him, and cart that uh, trophy twink around town. Uh, here's Dave. Dave. Hey, Ronnie. Yeah. Oh, okay, so it occurs to me that uh, I think I have this mystery solved. If you listen to Fez's uh, sexual fantasies, they seem to fulfill the needs of a woman. If you look at who Fez is attracted to, he seems to be attracted to straight men only. I think it might be possible that Fez would be most comfortable as a woman having heterosexual sex with a straight man. Maybe he should... uh, Sex change in for you, Fez? No, I've, you know, I've thought about that. I've looked at transgender people and thought, do... I feel that way at all. No, I appreciate my dick, and I would not want to be a woman. Uh, is this our old buddy, Ogre in D.C.? Buddies. Buddies. What's happening, man? I'm doing well. How's everybody? Fez, you're killing me. You're breaking my heart. I'm listening to you right down the road, bud. Fezzy, listen to me, my brother. First thing, you said something that just kind of blew me away. You were pinning your self-worth. Directly to your job. Man, you got to uncouple those two, man, because, you know, what you do with your job and your career, that doesn't have anything to do with your self-worth. You know, some days are better than others on the job, man, but, but you can't, you can't gauge, you know, your self-worth as a person just because how your job goes. I've actually, I've actually said this to him too, Ogre. I said, when you meet people, you should never introduce yourself as Fez Watley. And you should never be Fez Watley when you're not on the air. You invented that character on the air. Mm -hmm. And then you stop doing the character, but you keep the name. Yeah. And you compare yourself to Fez Watley and invent a character. Yeah. And when you meet people who didn't fucking listen to this show, you tell them that you're Fez. Right, yeah. That's... I think it's crazy. I think you need to be Todd when you're not exactly, on the air. Exactly. Your self-worth, man, the amount of, the, the, the person is craving what, 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 you, what you feel like you need. That's Todd, you know? Um, and, and, and the work that you do every day on the radio, that's Fez. You know, if, if I had a bad day at the office and, 
and they, and and you know, and I had a down day or lost a couple customers or something of that nature. You know, am I going to go home and say, "Gee, I'm just a terrible person," you know, because I didn't have a good day at work, man? Nah, dude, you got to uncouple the two, man. You got to take and un- uncouple them, or you'll drive yourself nuts. All right, thanks, buddy. It's good to talk to you again, man. Nice to talk to you too. I'll be in touch. All right, peace. Yeah, okay. But do you know what I'm saying about with the Fez thing, Fez? Yeah, I see what you're saying. I see what Ogre's saying, too, because, like, I don't feel like today's going well. I know yesterday didn't. And, yeah, I'll just think about that the rest of the night. That has nothing to do with it, though. That has nothing to do with who you are. I think you got to stop calling yourself Fez. And you got to stop thinking of yourself as Fez until you walk through those doors. Yeah. Who are you really? There's a lot of times where I feel like I'm Fez, but that's not the Fez you're even hearing right now. I have no idea what that means. Of when I started doing Fez, like maybe that was the real me. Why did that feel like the real you? Well, as I thought about it over the years, you know, especially since coming out, like, I tried to, like, retrace everything, and it felt like Fez happened mainly in my head. It, uh, part of being Fez was part of maybe that's who I really was when I didn't think I was gay. But I was this gay person. I gotta tell you, hold on. I couldn't be more confused by that last one. Yeah, uh, I'm not explaining this well at all. You were Todd, right? Yeah. Started playing the part of Fez. Right. Liked being Fez better than Todd. Yeah. So it, you're like, I'm not. Oh, no, you're not. Well, I'm just. It changes along the years. So go ahead. So, I mean, I, I liked both Todd and Fez. For a long time. But then... After I came out, I looked back on it and thought maybe Fez was the real me that hadn't come out yet. Fez was always out. Right. So why would Fez be the real you that hadn't come out yet? Because I... Because I was gay and hadn't recognized it, and Fez was gay but had recognized it. Did Fez do anything gay? No, Fez used to try to cover up his gayness. Mm. All right, so this is really no, I, I no, talking I mean, in circles. Look, no, look, you're a, th- this fucking string is really tangled. If I'm really talking to you as your friend, you're fuck. It's really goddamn tangled. And so let me just, I'm going to jot this down. You were Todd, Mm -hmm. a young guy who was, had gay tendencies, but you didn't know that you were gay. Right. Then you started to play the part of Fez, who was gay, but wouldn't admit it. Right. Okay. So you rode that for a long time. Then you felt bad as Fez when you found out that Todd was gay. Yeah. 
So then Fez stopped acting gay. Yeah, Fez just... And lost his sense of humor about all the gay things. Mm -hmm. And then when you came out as Fez, you didn't come out as Todd. Right. You got mad at Fez for acting like he wasn't out of the closet? Um... I don't know if I got mad. No, I didn't get mad at Fez for that. I think what went on in my head was that I quit. Fez quit being Fez. Because it seemed like if Fez was still over the top gay. Mm -hmm. That. It was less of a character. It was more transparent. Todd. But Fez was always transparent. Yeah, but I don't... Yeah, so, I mean... But it was along the lines of... Being gay as Fez was funny. When it was real, it didn't feel funny anymore. So, when Fez was funny because Todd wasn't gay... And then when Todd decided he was gay, Fez was embarrassing to Todd. Yeah. Almost, I'm really putting this poorly, but almost like to cover up Todd being gay, Fez quit being gay. Almost like it was another defense. Okay, and now that Todd is gay... Is Fez not going back and doing his own act, right? Right. Only because Fez was a character anyway, invented by Todd. Yeah. So why do you call yourself Fez when you meet people? I think I'm just more comfortable saying that name than Todd. Why? I don't know, because for years and years, I never said my actual name on the air. Forget on the air, off the air. Be Fez on the air if you want to, but you'd have to recreate that character. But the person that's really broken first is Todd, right? Before the character was broken. Yeah. I mean, we had Tony Danza in here, right? Mm-hmm. If he, what was the name of his character on Who's the Boss? Tony. Tony what? Um, it was an Italian name. Well, whoever. Let's suppose somebody came in here, and they said to us, call me by my TV character, not by my real name. We'd think that the fucking person was nuts. Oh, sure, yeah. You gotta be taught off the air, dude. Yeah. And when people call you, Fez, you, you should actually say to them, no, only on the air. Yeah, it's 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 even like weird hearing me say the word Todd, the name Todd. Why? Um, it just felt like it feels like giving out my home address or phone number. It feels I like mean, exposing I mean, who you actually are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody knows it, but but the fact is, you don't know it. You don't know where Todd ends and Fez begins. No. That's why I say you got to fix Todd first. Yeah. I mean, even in 
like if I'm at home and I'm like upset upset at myself or something and the voice is going off in, in my head mm-hmm. of you know how did you fuck that up you got to go fix something, you know whatever it's i'm calling myself fez in that voice you know it's weird and in my thoughts i never call myself ron i just think of it as me but i'm not playing two different characters and i'm starting to feel like neither one of those characters is real I, I think that Todd's a character and Fez is a character, and you're fucked up with both of them. But the real you, I don't think you know who is. I think what Ogre said about you not knowing the difference between work at home, you know, you are not who you are. That's the kind of stuff that we say to cops or firemen. Like, you, your job is a fireman. You're not a fireman all the time, you know, because mm-hmm. people have to learn that. But in your case, it's even more muddy and even more weird. Because... You wanted to take your character home. People in your family will call you Fez. Yeah. You're not Fez. No. But why do you allow yourself to be called that or think of yourself as that? I think... I mean, this is fucking Birdman shit. Yeah. I mean, you're Birdman. I think it's... um, There's some sort of comfort in it, and it's like if I quit calling myself Fez or having other people call me Fez mm-hmm. on and off the air, that that is just another... I mean, I know the character isn't what it was, but it feels like that's just another step away from it. Forget all that. Because of you, even getting it back. Look, first of all, there's no actor who would play the same character for years and think that that was a good thing that people thought of him as that. You know what I mean? It's not healthy. You've proven that it's not healthy. And I think the reason why you're comfortable with it is for the same reason that you don't want people to have your home number or know where you live. You don't want anybody to be close. You don't want anybody to talk to Todd. So you can put up this fucking Fez wall. You know? Mm -hmm. I think it's Todd that's fucking upset. Not Fez. I think that's the crazy thing is. GVAX come up and said the answer is simple. A rebirth. Kill off Fez and Todd and start fresh. I like Skeeter. Now, there is no reason that you couldn't fucking do a character named Skeeter who comes out of the Florida swamps and come in here and be comfortable. And I know you're, you're a good enough actor. You could make that work. You can make characters work. It's you yourself that has the fucking problem. And what you finally did is, I think, here's what I honestly believe. Todd was having so many much trouble and felt so uninvolved in life that he forced himself on Fez. Fez was never the real you. It was a fucking character. You just chose to stop playing the character. Because Fez wanted to be heard. Fez wants to be smart. Fez wants to be... Uh, I mean, Todd wants to be smart. Todd wants to be acknowledged. And you force that through fucking Fez. Yeah, Todd also... But in, in thinking about it, Todd, it feels like... 
I want to. Todd wants to hide. That's not fucking healthy. Todd has hid. You've hid, Todd, not only, like, who's your best friend? You. I don't know fucking Todd at all. I've only known Fez. I don't know Todd. Mm -hmm. I've never really been introduced to Todd. Yeah. I don't know what to say. Uh, I, I'm just, you don't have to say anything, but I'm, but that is a truthful thing between me and you. We both acknowledge it is true. You know what I mean? Yeah. I only know Fez. Yeah, and I think over the years I've come to think of Todd as a bad name, or a, if I in my head if I'm being called Todd, mm -hmm. then I'm not being then I'm not being Fez, which isn't a good thing. Why? Off the air? Why? Why wouldn't you show up as Todd and say, "Hey"? Here's some ideas I had for Fez today. Which, by the way, you never have for Fez anymore. When we used to... Don't look down. This isn't fucking judging you. I'm just being honest here since we're having this conversation. But years ago when we did this, you used to make up storylines for Fez. Fez would act like he had a girlfriend. Fez was lying and said he went on this vacation when he did it. And you haven't created for Fez in a long time. No, I haven't you, created anything in a long time. Why is that? Because Todd created Fez, and you, you've taken Todd out of your life. Todd's fucking undernourished. You never want me to come down to your apartment in, your, in the fucking village, because Fez doesn't live there. Todd does. Fez would have a crazy fucking fun time. In the fucking West Village. Fez's apartment would be decorated all fucking nutty. There would have been fucking people coming in and out of Fez's house. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Fez the character. Yeah. If we said he lived in the West Village, you would have built a whole fucking thing for him. You haven't built any of it for Todd. Because Fez really doesn't exist, dude. Todd does. Right. I think you gotta stop calling yourself Fez, dude. Um, here's uh, Dominic. Hey, Dominic. Yes. Hey, hey, Fez. This is all great. And in the in the course of helping heal, when was your last real vivid memory of Todd? You know, what age do you remember? You know, when Todd trumped Fez. How old was he? What was he like? I have no idea. When you when you looked in the mirror in the morning and it was Todd on the other side. When's the last time that you woke up and saw 
Todd in your mirror. It's probably been like 20 years ago. And Fez doesn't live in the West Village. Todd does though, right? Yeah. So you're in, the, in this fucking holding pattern of something. Man, we fucked you up. And I take responsibility for you. I should have fucking... I should have fucking stepped in a long time ago. Every time you would get a therapist, I'm like, okay, maybe this is it. You know? But I never saw... I've never even heard of an actor fucking himself up with his character this way. Yeah, and... I, I never heard of a wrestler. I think fucking even Hulk Hogan knows who he is. The Warrior didn't even go no. like this. And he legally changed his name to Warrior. Uh, Shane. Shane. Yo, 21107, buddy. Hey, buddy. Hey, uh, I was just going to see if Fez, you know, maybe could draw some inspiration from other gay characters like Divine or RuPaul. You know, those guys seem like they can transition between, you know, the, who they are and then the character pretty damn well. Well, it, it's a very interesting thing when you bring up both of those people. Because when they're not doing their character... It's a shocking difference. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Is and there like Peewee even? Right. <laughs> Is there a shocking difference between you on air and you off air now? No. No, there isn't. No. You do not play the character and yet you're also not Todd. Right. So how's it get fixed? I'm not sure. But I yeah, I mean I know uh, what was being said there because like there was a time when people who hadn't met me but had heard Fez on the radio would be shocked to see Fez in real life cuz they didn't think that person on the radio possibly could possibly look like that person they had just met. So I, I I understand that part of it. Well, tell me, what, what was the difference? Um, people just always assume Fez wouldn't be as bulky as I am. They expected like a little scrawny. I've heard people say like a little scrawny blonde guy. Mm-hmm. Um, here's Lewis, Money Maker Manhattan. Hey, what's up, guys? Um. I don't know about all these uh, theories that you're coming up with. What I think is what really happened is, I saw this on the television once, I think Todd and Fez were actually twins, and Fez killed Todd, like, years ago. This is the real guy. Uh, if we were, you know, if this was a fucking movie, we definitely would have somehow Fez or Todd would be, com you know, committing murders. And then blaming the other personality at the end of it. Yeah. And I and the the cop would say to me, "Don't worry, uh, we're gonna have you stitched up." Oh, and no, they're not taking him jail. He's off to the insane asylum. And you'd be in the back like, "Todd did it. 
Todd did it, you know, just some fucking weird thing. Todd won't bother me no more. Todd won't bother me no more. I don't know, Nutsy. That's the word for it. I guess we had a break here. Hey, when we come back, we're going to be talking about Patrice O'Neill. There is a... It's not Kickstarter. What are they calling it now, Fez? This is an Indiegogo. Indiegogo um, for his documentary, Better Than You. It's happening right now on Indiegogo. And Von DiCarlo uh, is going to be in to talk to us about that. Uh, along with Jeff Jeff Gurian, it's the Ron and Fez show. Ron and Fez on Raw Dog. Raw Dog. Comedy hit. Channel ninety nine. Apple and Friends. That's the Jeffrey Goering jump around uh, music. And Jeffrey, who do you have with you today? I have a very special guest. She's beautiful, first of all. She's funny. She's musically talented. Is it Fez? TV. It's Fez. <laughs> How did you know that I, I snuck him in? And she spent 10 years as the fiancé of a comedy legend, someone that we all love, Patrice O'Neill. It's Von DiCarlo. Is well, here nice with to today. see you. Yay, that was a great introduction. Really I, was... I need to take Jeffrey everywhere I go. <laughs> <laughs> the, the sad thing is he would go with you everywhere <laughs> that you go. And he's normally at most of the places before you get there. But, you know, um, uh, we were just bringing up, and there's an article up on the Interbank today, right, Fez? Yeah, it's about the documentary uh, about Patrice that's in the works, and it's an interview with uh, Mark Farrell, the director. Who's going to be directing. So you guys have put this together. There's an Indiegogo campaign. This is the bizarre thing about Patrice. I think I hear his name every day of my life. Someone brings him up to Isn't me. Isn't that crazy? I, yeah. I wish he was here to to know that. Yeah. Because he would always say, oh, no one cares, no one cares. But it's just incredible how many people really did love and respect Patrice and, and really do miss him. Really? Well, it, the, the weird thing is how much people would say, I wish Patrice was here to deal with this topic. Because it's always like with Anthony getting in trouble or whatever, they were like, Patrice would have been on TV I by get, now. I mm-hmm. get tweets all the time from people mm-hmm. asking me, what would Patrice say? What would, what would Patrice do? And yeah. of course, I don't dare to say that I think like Patrice or that I'm as charming as Patrice. But what I tell everyone is that I... He would be objective. He never let his personal feelings get in his way of researching a subject or really thinking about a subject before he, he would never go, Oh, I'm on the whatever side just because I'm black or I'm on whatever side because I'm, I'm a man against the what he always was well thought out. Mm -hmm. And that's what made him so special because he would, he would think of something that no one else would think of and had such a way of delivering it that it made so much sense that you would go, why wasn't I thinking that yeah. in the first place? One of the <laughs> other things I think that Patrice did was always so great is that he would say something that I would disagree with and I still would laugh hard. You know what I mean? Like it's such a yeah. uniting thing. I'm like, that's not true. And I'm laughing my ass off. But then the 
there would also be things that would take me a while before I'd come around like, all right, there is some truth. Yeah, that, I was you know. I was telling Opie when, when I visited them that they asked about my daughter. Because, you know, she's a teenager now. Yeah. She she needs Patrice. You know, it's, it's boys are new. And um, I... It, it's like she's so smart. She knows. She's like, Mommy, I know what Patrice, I know what Mr. P would say. Uh-huh. And I do, too. And we talk about it. But it's just the way he would say it would make everything better. Mm. It would make everything make sense. And you would be able to get through it. Like, he, you could bring the most traumatic news to him and it would just be like, okay. Like, whatever it is, you could say you had a, a life-threatening disease and he would make it like just another Tuesday. Like, it's okay. Yeah, he had that way. He had that charm. Everybody misses him. Sometimes I get a little annoyed. <laughs> I'm not even going to lie when people are like, oh, I miss him every day. And I'm like, really? <laughs> I'm freaking laying in the bed by myself here, cuddled up with my Bible and a pillow. Leave me alone. But I, I get what people mean. Sure. I get what people It's mean. amazing how it builds, though. His reputation has stayed strong. It doesn't happen with everybody, but he was special to so many people. I get emails all the time. Literally, I get a lot of emails of people talking about the old shows and commenting on stuff on YouTube. Absolutely. He's, and what I want to do with the yeah. documentary is there's a large number of people. Patrice died right before his point where he would have exploded. Yes. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of people that don't know who he is, especially like the younger generations uh -huh. and like the 20 somethings. And I think that his material and his philosophies are still relevant and will mm -hmm. be relevant. Mm -hmm. And I think that we need to expose him, not just and do the documentary just for the people that already know him and love him. But my mission with it is to really get him out to a new group of people that would appreciate his work and his philosophies as well. Yeah. So I think the documentary is definitely going to help do that and really solidify his legacy. Which you guys know I've been and on a mission for that since day one. And maybe bring to light a couple of, a couple of clips, a couple of audio segments, things that people have not seen. We're, we're starting to get a lot of material popping out there that, that has, has not been aired, that has not been seen by people. Sure. But people are thirsty for more Patrice. And this yeah. is Sansan, by the way. She works with Mark Hi. Farrell, um, with Mao High Productions. Um, that's the production company I'm, I'm going with. Um, myself and Jason Steinberg, who's managing me. And and this project where we partnered up with Mao High Films to do the documentary, mm -hmm. and um, Mark is awesome. Sansan's great too. They're they're Mark's really fantastic. well informed. They know what they're doing, and they both really have a passion for Patrice. Which is, you have to have a passion for Patrice to work with me before mm -hmm. you have to have a skill. Yeah. The skill is second. <laughs> yeah. So I I definitely feel like I have the right people on board with me to really see this through in a, a beautiful way. So right now, as you're raising money on the Indiegogo campaign... We're on Indiegogo.com. Uh, uh, we're called Better Than You is uh -huh. the name of the documentary. So if anybody goes to Indiegogo.com, there, there are specific links through our Twitter feeds, uh, through Vaughn's Twitter feeds. But basically, if you go to Indiegogo and go to Better Than You, um, and we're up to almost 18K at the moment wow. within two days. That's so, unbelievable. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's it's amazing. And like she said, I'm going to... Uh, I don't have my 
phone in front of me, but I will post the link at Von DiCarlo mm-hmm. and Patrice's um, Twitter as well at Big Mama Prods. Uh, make it very easy for people to go there. And the perks are great. Let's let's use the right wording here. This is mm-hmm. not a mm-hmm. donation, so to speak. It's a contribution. You're going to be right. part of the film. You're getting the perks. There's better than you T-shirts and mugs. Um, last time I was here, I talked about my book, which is going to be released in the late spring. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the perks. Uh, speak fluent man as um, an early read. Uh, what else? The what stand, else are there? The stand is oh, offering you know, like a lifetime, yes, a lifetime, uh, membership. Uh, lifetime yeah. comedy shows. Wow. I mean, people are just like coming forth with. Oh, and, and then the, with his in studio perk. Correct. They we there's we have those three are already going. out of the five taken within a day. Yeah. Of a day in the studio with Opie and Jimmy and get to go <laughs> in the air and hilarious. get to be there the whole day. With yeah. Them. So there's amazing perks if people just go take a look. You'll find something that you can take away from the campaign and and contribute. What is, what does that cost the day in the studio with? Uh, uh, it's at two thousand dollars. Two thousand dollars. Yep. And we already have three, within a day, we have three takers out of five. I'm glad that he limited it to five, because otherwise he would have been bombarded yeah. um, <laughs> by people. So. But the uh, but the thing is, somebody should buy one of those for Anthony. Wouldn't it be great? <laughs> you know a lot of people are saying that on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, <sorry. laughs> like, my this Twitter is blowing up about thing. Anthony. I'm going to yeah. go see Anthony next week, and Good. everyone's like, are you going to go see Anthony? Like, yeah. everybody calm down. Yes. Stop harassing me. Yes. I'll well, you know, Anthony, Anthony uh, <laughs> loved Patrice Absolutely. so much. And those, you see, that's the thing. There was plenty of things that those guys disagreed with uh, that would make such great radio. But they loved the hell out of each other. And they, I think personally. they loved each other so much because of their honesty, especially yeah. about race. Right. They, they were very, very similar creatures. Mm-hmm. And it didn't matter what their opinions were about whatever. They had a way of talking about it. And just like I've told everyone, one as much as I could possibly with that whole Anthony situation. Patrice would have been the one person that would have been able to talk to Anthony in a particular way. Sure. You know, I get people asking me, oh, what he, he would have been mad or Patrice would have defended yeah. him. What do you think? What do you think? And I'm like, all I can say is that he would have been objective and he would have talked to Anthony like he would have talked to Anthony any other day of the week. Mm-hmm. It would have been just another day. You know what I mean? Oh, that's absolutely. Just how Patrice, and he, Patrice would have been able to make everyone else see different yeah. angles in a different way. And, yeah, it's just, it's, it's sad to... He had a way of bringing people together. What yeah. I, what I even, wanna, the, even if they disagreed, that was the most mm-hmm. incredible thing about him. Like, like you said, you yeah. could completely disagree, and he would put your, his <laughs> arm around you, and you would be, like, completely in love with him anyway. Yeah, exactly. Sure. He made you examine your thinking. Exactly. I always refer to him as a comedy philosopher. He had mm-hmm. a real strong mm-hmm. point of view. Oh, yeah. He wasn't just talking. He was. Yeah. He had a lot of meaning behind what he said. Right. But when you said about young people, you know, at the city center benefit the third annual mm-hmm. thing, uh, which so was great. There was a lot of young Saint people. Bill there. The Burr. place was Pat. Yeah, Bill yeah. Burr and Maureen Tarrant Bill, put together yeah. an amazing Maureen. event. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it was packed, and there was a lot of young people there too, it, which oh. is um, amazing. Mm-hmm. I love that, and I want to get more. Mm-hmm. You know, they really, really should know who he is and mm-hmm. and and his thought process on things. And, and like even in my book, um, it, it's called Speak Fluent Man, and it, it feels like it's geared just towards women. But you really do get the Patrice stories of how the book is basically about how he 
got me to think in a certain way and understand and have empathy towards men and understand how to become better as a woman and not just be walking around entitled all the time like you know sure. how Patrice taught mm-hmm. so basically I'm I'm telling those stories that you may have heard before but then you you see like the real what happened in our relationship or that particular story you may have heard him talk about and my female perspective of okay well this was what was going on in my head at the time and this is how he helped me to work through all these issues that we have double standards the entitlement issues the natural order of things all these different um ideas that he talked about i i kind of organized it in a way yeah so that you know it's it's out there that was one of the things that i i committed myself to doing and you know when i say i'm going to do something I'm going to do it. So the, between the book and the documentary and his albums, all these things that I said I would do to preserve his legacy, I'm just doing my best to make sure I do it right. You know, um, this always reminds me of like after Bill Hicks passed away, and it's over like 20 years now, his family is still getting new material out there and mm-hmm. stuff, and young people mm-hmm. are coming to him. Mm-hmm. And I find that like... Just fascinating because comedy doesn't always age well. There's a lot of comedy that you look like that's stuck in a time and place. But I do think it's back to having that philosophy. And, you know, the the thing that um, Patrice, when he would talk about being righteous, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's the thing that that doesn't age. You know what I mean? I mean, that's the thing that will take you back decade by decade and era to era. The people who really live in a righteous way mm-hmm. um you know I, I was telling you before and you didn't even know this the one hour unmasked that i did with him which was i don't know a comedian who hasn't come up to me and brought up that unmasked it's, it was incredible yeah and they'll always say i love unmasked my favorite is and i'm like go ahead and drop it because i know <laughs> where we're going and it was the first day i ever did this series it was the second one and it it set the thing because he was so brilliantly smart, even when he wasn't attempting to be funny. You know what right. I mean? Like, he would just say things, some of them off the cuff, some of them they were thinking about that was so damn brilliant that I remember just even leaning back a couple times and looking mm-hmm. at him. And, like, I don't think I knew or I allowed myself to know that, know that it was anything but comedy before then. You know what I mean? I was just like, yeah. oh, he's a really funny guy. But not realizing, you're going to be so smart to be that funny. Mm-hmm. You know? And he, he really, I'd never seen him write anything down. That's yeah. it was, was amazing. It yeah. was just truth from his life, from our life, from just his experiences. So he never, he didn't feel like he had to write it. He knew yeah. it was coming from his gut. And when people, he would always say to me, because I was like his watchdog, I'm like, this person is doing this material and it's similar to yours. And he's like, if someone steals my jokes, they need it more than I do. Let them. You know why? Because they can't, they they could take the punchline. They can't take the essence of what it is. They're going nowhere with it. And by the time they really try to develop it, I'm on to another life experience. And that was his, his thought process on that. And it was all about being honest, being righteous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as much as I talk about in the book, that's pretty much the point of it is to say, as far as relationships go, it's just be honest with yourself, be honest with each other. Don't be, you know, don't like women lie to get relationships the way mm-hmm. men will lie to get sex. 
you know, everyone's lying. And then six, seven months later, you find out you don't even like this person because you <laughs> spent so much time BSing. So that's really even the essence of what I'm saying in that. It's like, here's all these stories and quotes from Patrice and this, that, and the third. But at the end of the day, don't be a liar. Be mm. honest with yourself and be honest with the person you're with. Jeffrey, is that hard for you to hear? Knowing that you spend a life lying. I'll tell you what, what always impressed me about Yvonne, and that and that's true to an extent. Uh, but what always impressed me was that you said that you never minded catering to Patrice, but it never took away you as an empowered woman. Oh, absolutely things, not. Yeah, it, it actually made you stronger. One hundred percent. Like I adore men. Like I came into the door adoring men mm -hmm. i like i was i was thirsty to understand man knowledge and mm -hmm. i was always wondering why do men have to lie to us and 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 why is it bad to like enjoy catering to a man mm -hmm. and i think i i just I hit the lottery with Patrice and his mind because mm -hmm. he was a man that knew how to have balance and not take advantage of a woman mm -hmm. who wants to cater. Mm -hmm. And he knows all about reciprocation. Yes. Like yes. we we had a circle of just reciprocating without making it a job. Like mm -hmm. it was not a job for him to do this or my job to do that. We just learned each other and if we wanted to, which usually we did, mesh well with whatever that need was, we just did it. It wasn't like, oh, I can't do that. He's going to think this or, you know, I have to make her do that. It, it was never a force. It was just reciprocating and learning each other and what each other's desires were. Like, I miss wiping the sweat off of his head. Mm -hmm. Like, I miss like it's it's i miss being loved but i have so much love to give and it's just displaced right now i i want to put it onto that pen right there like mm -hmm. it's i miss doing things for him i really do and and he did so much for me and it was never like we it didn't look at each other yeah, yeah it, it, it was just it was what effortless. we did yeah. yeah well that's why when people think that his stuff was misogynistic it's so far from the truth because oh he God, loved so he loved women right he was not a, a hater at all of that he what he hated was that men would be weak around women absolutely you know that they would try and manipulate them or just lose all their power in order to gain and I, I think I talk about that in the in like one of the first chapters in the natural order because he's he's he would say you know you if you if I let you control me you're just gonna get rid of me and go get a guy that you can't control it's like the jungle like women have to test the man to if I can punk you mm. how are you gonna protect me as a woman. So it's like a natural thing that women do that we don't even necessarily, it's subconscious. We don't necessarily even know that we're testing you as a man. Like, okay, I could punk you. So while you're out getting my uh, tampons and doing whatever girl stuff I'm making you do, I'm going to be looking at the guy, the next guy going, ooh, who's this big aggressive monster that I could try and break down? It's, it's just, it's, it's a weird thing that we don't even know that we're doing all the time. And you have to find that balance and control yourself. Now, one, one, oh, go ahead, do the plug. 
Uh, Vonda Carlo is in studio with us. She is producing the brand new Patrice O'Neill documentary. The Indiegogo campaign is going on now for Better Than You. Go to Indiegogo.com, search Better Than You. Also, the link for the campaign is on the Interrobang, if you look at the Patrice O'Neill article there. And also, Vaughn's new book, Speak Fluent Man, is coming out later this year. And And it's one of the perks. Oh, it's also one of the perks. The perks are great. There's tons of perks, but it is an early read perk. Yeah, you can see all the perks, posters, tickets to the premiere, all at the Indiegogo uh, page. And Jeffrey Gurian's here. He's performing at the Metropolitan Room Friday, March 27th, a week from tomorrow. Now, uh, I'm reading up on the entire bang. Mark is saying it's not going to be a whitewash, though. Everything is going to go out there, the good, the bad, the ugly. Oh, my God, Why yes. is that important to... <laughs> I will not do anything without that Patrice wouldn't do himself. And mm-hmm. if you know Patrice, if I told a tiny violin story about how wonderful he is mm-hmm. and that's it, he would. If I want him to come back to life, let me do that. He'll be at my doorstep <laughs> quick. When I and I told you this, Jeffrey, Lisa Lampanelli said something. Um, I don't want to. It's not an exact quote, but the gist of it was she said something like, uh, "I didn't like him when he was alive. Am I supposed to pretend I liked him now that he's dead?" I. I said, thank you, Lisa. That was beautiful. Patrice would kiss you on the forehead and walk away and say, good girl. Like he would appreciate that because it's honest. And that's why we have to tell the good, bad and the ugly. I would hope that Lisa would come in and be in the film and tell her stories about why Patrice, she didn't like Patrice because he would want that. He doesn't want everyone just going, oh, he's great because he's gone. He wants the truth. And the truth is not everyone. Everybody thought he was perfect. He well, made he, her cry he loved, or something. He loved to challenge people. Yeah. He loved to push uh, people's buttons. I know the um, the bulldog of comedy after was saying, like, before he went on stage, that Patrice had fucked with him about a couple of different things. <laughs> and I was, yeah, Slayton. Slayton. Yeah, I think up at Montreal, he, he brought up Slayton's <laughs> suit right before Slayton went on stage. And he held a really long grudge about it. But it's a very, it's a very funny Patrice story. But you, he knew, it's almost like if a guy was good with a sword, he was going to occasionally go around and take people's buttons off mm-hmm. just to show that, that he, he could. could do it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, he definitely did those kind of things. Yeah, and we want to do it um, feature film length. Mm-hmm. You know, where uh, the initial amount that we're asking for is pretty much just to do the film. It doesn't include post and all, like right. Sansan could speak more about like the specifics of production. But um, we want to do it. I want to. I have to do it. Patrice was a, a perfectionist and he loved film. So I, my attempt is to make this a beautiful feature length film. That looks great. We're not shooting this on our iPhones here. Right. So, you know, that's why. And, and the crowdfunding um, and getting the fans and people to help us produce it this way is going to enable me to keep the creative control. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm going to make those final decisions, not some network person that doesn't really know the Patrice story. We want to do it the righteous way. <laughs> so you want to see this on the big screen. You want it to go yes, to festivals. Yep. Uh, you want Feature. critics to take and a look at it. And then later license it for TV. Yeah. And we have a couple of networks 
folks interested, but that's why we want to, that's why we went with crowdfunding because we really want this to be a film by the fans for the fans uh -huh. and really have the fans be a part of it. So, and that's why some of the perks for a certain contribution are, uh, getting an associate producer credit or a special thanks credit or being in the premiere, uh, uh and at the after party. And it, it's, we really want to keep it to keep creative control and we don't want someone else to control it someone who's not doesn't right. know patrice as well as von does because mm -hmm. and, von and and his can, friends you know if, if i don't remember something or if i wasn't there like i'm going before von time too like his mom's going to be a big part of this of course yeah um but she knows about it we talked about it i saw her at um at keith robinson's taping and then i saw her again at the benefit and, and she was at the after party too uh, yeah she's, she's at the after she party she's, she's around yeah, around, Ms. George sure. is kicking around. Uh -huh. She's doing really well. And um, the the first half of Patrice's life, you know, who's going to tell that story better than her? Mm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So we, we're not going to have a network person knocking on our shoulders going, no, we can't say this. Or they might not understand why we need those stories where people are mm -hmm. going, I hated his guts. He made me cry. I <laughs> was happy he died. You know, or no yeah. one's going to say that, I don't yeah. think. But you know what? I mean, you know, we I'll be able to say, yep, we need it. And Patrice's fans will know why. Jeff, you uh, have offered to be in this film as well, right? <laughs> I, is, I would be honored. To is be. there going to be time for Jeffrey to color his hair or <laughs> no, I mean, we like it the way it is. <laughs> this is the funny thing about Jeffrey. Did that to be when was the so Black Phillips show? That was a yeah. Like, he loves exactly the girls are all about the, the salt and pepper hair. Yeah. 2008. So like 2008, I met yeah. Jeffrey during the whole Patrice Black Phillip yeah. Sirius XM thing, and he still has the exact same oh, sure. hair. Yeah. I like to think I still look the same too. You do look Jeffrey, the same. You, you, look, you get better all the time. I think you pick a look and you stick with that look for your whole life. I think people are saying that to make me feel better because I'm getting older. I saw your your no, third grade I, class picture. I had a mustache. Was, in those were, days. Yeah, yeah. It was the only difference. He was rocking a mustache. But um, you oh did God. that show with him, and a lot of people were surprised to see you and Patrice together. Because really different worlds, really different philosophies. That's what made it so special. We had such an interesting bond. We we had total respect for each other. Mm -hmm. And it was just, I mean, it was a huge honor to me. We just got along. And, and he was excited about the chemistry that we had. And we would just talk about stuff for hours sometimes. But about women, of course, because it was that kind of show, an advice show. And yeah. I was kind of the balance because I could never say the things that Patrice could say to a woman. And he would never <laughs> want to say the things that I would say. And, and, and that's why it worked and, with you guys. Yeah, because, because Patrice didn't want any, anyone. He didn't even like audiences to fully. He said something <laughs> like, I don't want everyone laughing at the same time. That's fine. Like he has to walk someone <laughs> yeah. out of the crowd. Or he's like, I didn't. Some, something's going on weird here. But he, he doesn't like the whole Hollywood everyone lasts at one time thing. Yeah, well, it seems contrived. Mm -hmm. But he showed up for and, me for and things dishonest. like, yeah, exactly. And his whole thing was about honesty, whether it hurt you or not. But we never had that kind of back and forth where we would belittle each other in any way. It was always out of respect. And and um, I remember one time I was doing these comedy workshops for inner city kids. 
And we did a thing at the Gotham Comedy Club. And Patrice came down specifically for that, to speak to these kids and to give them an incentive about getting into the comedy world. And he got up on stage with his hat, you know, that great... <laughs> he had a collection of amazing hats. <laughs> and he just went went on, just inspiring people. He was... he. It, like it meant so much to me that he took the time to do that. Oh, he, yeah. he was that way. And he he felt it was important. Kids. You know, my daughter spoke at the funeral. Yeah, yes. Because she legendary. said, you know, mommy, no, everyone's gonna say he's a great guy, comic, whatever, but no one knows what a great daddy is. Mm -hmm. Like she said, I have to tell the story how I would get home from school and Mr. P, Mr. P, my friends are outside. They want to see you, and he would wake up tired as ever go downstairs sit on the porch with kids for a while he would take them to six flags he would take them to the zoo he was amazing he had a very kind side that a lot of people didn't get to see right you know the fact that he was willing to wake up at three o'clock in the afternoon to meet some children <laughs> The sacrifices yeah. that he made. So, Fez, when you do the plug, read off some of these perks because I'm interested in some of the stuff that could go down here. It's better than you. That's the new Patrice O'Neill documentary. Von DiCarlo is here, the executive producer. And if you go to Indiegogo.com and search better than you, you can find the perks. The link is on the interrobang.com and on Twitter at Von DiCarlo. You can get things like a personalized video shout-out from Vaughn on Twitter. Uh, there's movie posters, there's coffee mugs, tickets to the premiere and the after-party. And that uh, incredible thing at the stand. A lifetime of comedy at the stand. Mm -hmm. And you can come in and do Opie and Jimmy show with them. You could smoke on the air. We've never yeah. done that before. You could sit and smoke. Oh my on the God! Air. Yeah. Say that. That's one of the perks. <laughs> take something out of the studio. Anything that you want oh to take God, out right. on the way home. Just That's all part of it. All right, we got to break here. You guys can hang out for a while though. And sure. All right. Sure. Uh, we'll be right back with more We're talking about Patrice O'Neill. It's Ron and Fez show. Ron and Fez on Raw Dog. With the Ron and Fez show in studio with us, Von DiCarlo, the executive producer of the brand new Patrice O'Neill documentary. It's going into production with Mile High Productions. She's here to talk about the Indiegogo campaign to uh, crowdsource the documentary. If you go to Indiegogo.com, you can be part of it there. Just search the doc's name, Better Than You. All kinds of perks on there. The link is also on Vaughn's Twitter, at Vaughn DiCarlo, and it's on the Interrobang, where they have an interview with the film's director, Mark Farrell. Also, Jeffrey Gurian's here from Comedy Matters TV. He's going to be at the Metropolitan Room Friday, March 27th. That's a week from tomorrow. Week from tomorrow. At 7 p.m. Met Metropolitanroom.com for tickets. Jeffrey's also mentioned on page six today. Whoa! And Richard Johnson's <laughs> column. Yeah, that was crazy. What happened? What did it say? It's uh, all about the roast that Jeffrey Executive produced. Oh, yeah. For Curtis Lee and Ron Kuby. Yeah. Last week uh, at Gotham, and that was a crazy scene, and it was very successful. Everybody had a lot of fun, and Richard posted a couple of the jokes, so it was cool. It was great. Jeffrey is big time. Oh. Yeah, he is. 
Only because I know you guys. Oh, stop <laughs> That's it. That's the truth. You know, when the Black Phillip show is talked about, and him partnering up for you, I think they, they say in the film, his one misstep that he had in his career is doing something. Including me. That's the one thing yeah. he did wrong. Jeff, are you working a little cold today? You don't... Uh, no, I don't. Me. Allergies, okay. maybe. Okay, no. is that it? I yeah. make him nervous. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. always. You You're not your normal outgoing self today. Well, I'm, I'm trying to listen. Oh, that's I wanna, nice. I want to, you know, be yeah. respectful. Oh, that's sweet. You got a lot to say. And so this the is other, important. the other people, people you bring I'm not in. respectful at all. No, just, <laughs> now we understand. I don't care. Right. I so the next time I can say, well, he doesn't care much for you, sir. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Let me know when that's going down so I can make sure I listen. Yeah. <laughs> also here today is Sansan Fabri from Mile High Productions. They're the studios putting together uh, Patrice's documentary. And at this time, just bringing in as much information, uh, tapes and stuff that you have yeah, on Patrice. Yeah, and, and, and things keep popping. Popping out out yeah. of the blue, um, uh, Chris at the stand said he had some unseen footage of Patrice. Uh, Jeffrey was just saying he has some stuff from the Black Phillip show that he shot on his own camera. Oh, um, cool. uh, Jason Steinberg just uh, dug out a whole uh, comedy album. Yeah, well, that's uh, separate from the documentary. It's uh, Jason Steinberg who used to manage Patrice. Uh, was going through his Brazilian porn the other day. Yeah. <laughs> He'll be thrilled that you're talking Ironically about that. enough, <laughs> I told him I had to yeah. tell the story. Yeah, That's course. so that incredible. He called me. He's like, Vaughn, you're not going to believe this. And I'm like, what? What happened? He's like, I was, you know, cleaning out, you know, going through some old porn stuff. And I found Patrice's album that he recorded. And I was like, what album? He's like, Patrice recorded a comedy album. I think it was like 2004 or five. I can't remember what he said, but I said, are you kidding me? Why didn't he put it out there? And Jason was, was like, well, you know, Patrice, is kind of lazy. He didn't want to do any of the work. He just recorded it. And I said, well, that makes sense because, you know, when you cut, cut to later and I did all the legwork on the Mr. P and unreleased and stuff. And even mm -hmm. before, you know, after Patrice died, the record label reached out to me and was like, we have your notes that Patrice sent us. Cause you know, we started not just being in a relationship together, but we were working together all those years. Um, but this particular album, was in the earlier days and I this just happened a few days ago and I, I listened to it it's all new stuff that hasn't been on any other project it's classic Patrice stuff so you know I, I'm gonna get my mind together to produce that album it, it's a, a blessing out of nowhere you know fans will always ask you know is Mr. P and I released it and I'm like yeah you know it wasn't Tupac he didn't have a whole album on the shelf you know thousands mm -hmm. and thousands of albums just waiting to come out like it's music so this just came out of nowhere, and I, I'm when I, I get the headspace, I will put the time into producing that um, as well. So oh, that's, that's a rare find. It's Jason. like you know when they find like a, a Beatles song that was never released or something right. like that. That's it, like a rare, yeah, rare find. Yeah. I, I'm amazed. I, I feel like Patrice came down from heaven and just put it amongst <laughs> Jason's porn. Right. Right. No, he <laughs> would find someone it. Someone would find Knowing it. Knowing that someone yeah. would definitely look there at some <laughs> yeah. point. Right? Exactly. That's the best place I, to find it, it was just amazing how it happened. And, and you could hear in his voice when he called me that he was like, what the hell? And where did this come from? It was like a light shining on it. Like... Call Vaughn. Yeah. 
So I, I'm excited about that. That's, Have you heard it that's yet? Incredible. Yeah, I, you, I you sat down and yeah. listened to it. It's hard for me. You know, I try yeah, to. It's got to be hard. I try. Yeah. It's it, people underestimate how difficult it is to listen, what it takes to produce an album, or even to sit through this footage and do the documentary. Sure. Um, I. I put on my big girl pants and I, I'm I'm strong, but mm-hmm. you know I have to. I'm a little nuts. Well, let's hard. just say mm-hmm. I'm not well all the way mm-hmm. in, in my personal life, but you know it's I do what I have to do, and I, I'm honored that that responsibility is on my back. But I do mm-hmm. try to space it out, so I'm gonna you know concentrate on different things at different times. But it will get done, and it's incredibly good i'll say that much i'm sure how different were you when you first met patrice (laughs) patrice i quote him all the time he was so quotable uh so i'll say this one ain't nothing wrong with washing a brain if it's (laughs) dirty (laughs) and i 100 percent agree with that when i met patrice i was my mind space the the only credit i give myself is that i actually listen and apply the things that he taught me because mm-hmm. some women that couldn't do that. Yes. Yeah. Um, that's the only credit I give myself. But I was very loopy when it came to men. And he really, he really upgraded my thought process in my mind. And I actually, in the book, I tell, I, I lead up to that. Like what I was in the mind space I was in before I met Patrice and why I was even able to comprehend some of these things and be open to it and, and like really live through that man truth with him because mm-hmm. it wasn't easy. It was not easy. You know, if, if you've ever met Patrice and you had to be around him for a day, that was my every day. He never let up, you know, so, but it, it's, it was to help. It was never to hurt. Like, like we said earlier, yeah, he, he was wasn't, a teacher. Right. So, yeah, I when I met him, I, I knew I was thirsty for some type of man knowledge that I didn't understand why, you know, men were so different and what I had to do to make things to have a good relationship. Mm-hmm. And he did that for me. And I, I hope that I'm able to share it properly so that people understand how that happened. I envy you, Vaughn. I often I envy, envy me too. I envy you for that education. As a woman, me. I envy not having had that kind of education. I, I and want I'm it trying back. to get it through doing the documentary. <laughs> <laughs> like getting it's the my hardest thing I say, education. I say a lot too. Sometimes I wish he left me dumb. Because it's like I, now I'm just so out there with all this. Not, I, you know too much. You you're a little bit crazy, and I. It's like oh my god, I'm. I have to date now. Okay, how do you do that? Like I'm a genius at relationships. I have the best advice for everyone. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, I am the expert. Forget about it. Call me. I know. Trust me. Relationships. I got you. For myself though, I'm like. uh um, how do you be single again? Cause mm. I'll go, I, I want to go right from day one. I like you. So here's everything. Cause I know how to be in relationships. I know mean, what's this dating crap. It's, mm. it's like, I don't know how to do it. It's weird. Better Than You is the new Patrice O'Neill documentary that's going into production. Executive producer Vonda Carlos here. You can be part of the documentary. If you go to the Indiegogo campaign, search Better Than You. The link is also on the Interrobang and at Vonda Carlo on Twitter. You can get great perks by being part of this film, including coffee mugs. Uh, caps. There's t-shirts. T-shirts. Yeah, I'm buying some myself. Like, they're great. They look wonderful. I, I, I love them. 
And the big perks, there's things like you can be an associate producer in the credits. Special mm-hmm. thanks. There's a lifetime of stand-up comedy at The Stand in New York City and an appearance uh, with Opie and Jimmy on Opie Radio. You'd basically be sitting in the Patrice seat. Yeah. You would actually mm. you would have get that opportunity to sit there um, in his chair that way. and do the show with him. I remember, uh, <coughs> it's so funny to go back about... I don't know, eight, ten years ago when all those guys were coming in at the same time and you see where their careers are now mm-hmm. with Burr, Louis C.K., oh Patrice. And I'm always, I always say to Opie, I go, if you would have just started a management company ten oh years ago, you'd be <laughs> the so biggest right. thing in the country right now. <laughs> um, because that's amazing. And I always remember, uh, you know, certain mornings I'd get up and I'd have to come in and I'd still be listening to some of the shit that Patrice was doing. And uh, it was so damn funny. So damn funny off the top of his head. You know, one of my favorite things is when he was singing on uh, Opie's oh. show. The uh, What was his With, name? Um, the blues song? Yeah, the blues Patrice song. was singing? I never heard of yeah, oh, it. He was, can sing. You didn't yeah. see that? I'm going to um, post it. I think it's up on YouTube right it's now. It's on YouTube. Um, it, was it was sad. It, it was, was, it was old, right before he passed away, uh, too. It was a blues yeah. song, and he was playing with the... Um, the guy from the Almond Brothers band was playing the guitar, but I'm trying Almond to think Brothers. of oh, yeah. of That's what Fidel's group. Uh, of what um, song it was and who'd done it. Like I don't want to say Lead Belly, but it was somebody back in that era. Warren I, Haynes going down slow. Yeah. I'm gonna post it and right he played now. Played an instrument yeah. too, Patrice, or he just no, he was singing. He just starts singing it. But um, I'm just tr- off the top, just start singing it with them. I'm gonna post it right now at Von Di Carlo. It it is it is heartbreaking because this was not this was um a little bit before you know he had the stroke and stuff. I think this was the summer before he had the stroke. Yeah, it's um. I have video of him a few weeks before he was a a, a judge at the lottery show at the comic strip, and he came in and we shot a little something at the end of the show that I think it was about three weeks before. Well, wait, when you check this out, we're going to play it on the air right now. I think this is off Opie Radio. If you'd ever like to go and see it, but what was this song and who is this? A Warren cover? Haynes. Yeah, um, going down slow. Man, this is all spoken. Man, you know I've been enjoying things that kings and queens will never have. In fact, kings and queens can never get. I said I 
I've had spent more money than a millionaire. Because if I had kept all my money that I already spent, I would have been a millionaire a long time ago. And women, ooh, women. That was, that was amazing. I wonder if he was reading the lyrics or if he knew all those words by, by heart. Um, no, he didn't. He wasn't reading the lyrics. Uh, I was Howlin' Wolf, uh, and we lost Vaughn during that. That that one got to her. I'm sorry about that, sweetie. I feel terrible. No, 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 no. no. I'm totally fine. Yeah. I'm totally fine. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> do I look like? No. I look weird. <laughs> all right, I'm going to play it again then. Just to say. <laughs> I'm sorry, you know what? No, you know what? That hasn't happened in a long time. Yeah. I, I It used to happen every day, mm-hmm. constantly. But I'm fine. Thank you. Don't worry. Okay. It's okay. I'm glad you played it. That's a great moment. It's a beautiful thing. Mm. It's, a, a great voice. it's an amazing uh, moment. And I remember uh, listening that day and my jaw dropped because I'm like, what? <laughs> Where is, what is that? It that she really? don't, I remember when he came home. Yeah. I was like, really? Because you know, I sing it. You know, I yeah, write yeah. songs and stuff. And I'm like, really? You just did that? Yeah. You, just, you just have everything? Are you kidding me? <laughs> and, all you know, the words. I said, was he reading the lyrics? He knew all the words. This is one of the things, too, when you think about Patrice's life. This is one of the great guitar players of all time. <laughs> that is basically exactly. his backup. <laughs> doing this, you know? And I'm like, do you even know who you're like yeah. singing with? Like, it's like, ah, you know, he, his musical taste was so broad. Yeah. Like his favorite rap song, you know, Rockbox and Run DMC and all of that. But he was a huge beat fan what for what his birthday one year i got him like the collection of beatles thing like it was like a zillion songs or whatever he loved it and and just everything in between like he didn't his musical taste was all over the place well i will tell you this you know when you talk about a legacy of life uh you want to have lived the kind of life when there's a uh a video of you up singing a beautiful woman breaks into tears and runs out of the room. That's what I wish for every guy out there. You know what I mean? Like, that's the impact you want your life to have. And I think it's, like, so cool that there are so many layers to this guy that some of us knew him as a great comedian or uh, simply a great broadcaster when he would come on the air. But the fact that all these layers are going to be exposed because there's just so much there. Um, Fez, one more time, give out 
all the ways that people can get involved in this. It's Better Than You. That's the brand new documentary about Patrice O'Neill, his career, his life, his comedy, and his inspiration. That is being campaigned at Indiegogo.com. Just search Better Than You. You can be part of this production. And it's also, the link is on the Interrobank and on Twitter, at Von DiCarlo. Plenty of great perks there if you're going to be part of this campaign, including a lifetime of stand-up comedy where you can visit the stand in New York City for the rest of your life and see shows, and an appearance on Opie Radio with Opie and Jim Norton. So it's Indiegogo.com. Better Than You is what you search. Jeffrey Gurian's here as well. The Metropolitan Room, he's going to be there Friday, March 27th, a week from tomorrow, for the 7 p.m. show. And also special thanks to San San Fabri from Mile High Productions, who is going to work on this uh, new documentary. Well, thanks so much for Thank dropping you. in, guys. And anytime you want to stop back in, I, I and love we'll pick this up. You yeah, you're always great. welcome. Thank you so Me much. Me too. Uh, I don't know, Jeffrey. <laughs> I got to look into that. <laughs> Quite frankly. You'll get back to me. I, I was talking to the to the security. We have a one-scarf minimum now. I'm over by two scarves. Yeah. It's a three-scarf day. You have laid it down to a place that we're all uncomfortable. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I needed that last laugh. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Well, At uh, my expense. It's okay. I don't no, know. no. Oh, Thanks. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you back in Thank here tomorrow. Um, and we'll be following along with this uh, story. It's up on the Interrobang. Um, they're already telling me that Mark has already said a thank you for that and how much uh, excited that everybody is to get the word out. We're already looking forward to saying this. We'll see you guys back in here tomorrow. And that's the end of my show. Dogs. I watched it for a little while. I love to watch things on TV. You know what you've been doing? You've been listening to the Ron and Fez Show. It's now over, but don't worry. You can listen again and again on Sirius XM On Demand. Go to SiriusXM.com slash On Demand. Listen to Ron and Fez whenever you want. Go to SiriusXM.com slash On Demand. This show was brought to you by Afro and Friends.